Michigan Short Track Racing Authority is Horsepower Happening. Curtis Roberts, welcome to Horsepower Happening. The Northport, Florida driver, Danny Sams III, welcome to Horsepower Happenings. Travis Stemler, welcome to Horsepower Happening. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Director of Race Operations for the ASA Stars National Tour, Joe Ballas, welcome. Over 50 years of industry experience, from behind the wheel to behind the microphone. Here comes Stambaugh into turns three and four. Stambaugh to the lift. Stambaugh sideways. Greg Dolman wins. Yeah, guys, wholesale uh, right side tire changes. That that seems to be the decision. All down mode. Exclusive interviews every week. Hear from drivers, track owners, series promoters, and so much more. You know, after about eight hours of months in medical center, they uh, they were pretty adamant about me staying out of the car for quite a while. It'll be at least my first stab at driving a race car that I haven't prepared from end to end, that I'm not calling the shots on, all of that, all at once. Plus, local news, analysis, and opinions you didn't ask for. She is not going to have any excuses. That is some of the best equipment there at Anti Camp and Racing that money can buy. This points fund is massive. These races are massive. These are some of the most high-paying races in the country. From the north side towing of St. John's Studio, presented by CNT Services, here are Zach Heiser and Rich France. Good morning, race fans. <laughs> <laughs> We're laughing because it's Labor Day, and uh, Rich and I decided, you know what, we want to get this thing done with. Neither of us have to work today, so well, why not? Let's crank this thing out in the morning, and uh, we'll, we'll have the rest of the day to, uh, to to celebrate not laboring, right? I mean, is that pretty fair? Uh, so let's get into it here. Uh, just a couple of things we want to touch on, and we've got a full show for you today to uh, make up for us uh, missing out on last week. So here's just a couple of notes that we wanted to pass along. We'll call it a Motor City Minute. Congratulations to Max Stambaugh. He secures back-to-back Great Lakes Super Sprint Series championships over the weekend. The Northern Division finale held at Crystal Motor Speedway. Dustin Daggett gets the win, and uh, Stambaugh wraps up the championship. Two in a row for Stambaugh, three in a row, if you remember, for Smith Motorsports going back to the Ryan Rule era. Uh, in uh, 2021 when uh, Rule picked up that championship. On Saturday, September 9th, this Saturday, the Great Lakes Super Sprints as a whole will wrap up their 2023 campaign. Just one standalone event remaining at Waynesfield Raceway Park in October is kind of the farewell, but the Northern and Tour Division and Southern Division, it all wraps up Saturday at Hartford Speedway where Max Stambaugh will officially be crowned the Tour Champion as well. So two championships this year for Stambaugh. Also, how about the Portage, Michigan driver Carson Hosovar? Got a shot behind the wheel at Darlington over the weekend, qualified really well, and finished inside the top 20, um, so a great showing for him with that number 42 machine. And there's just a couple of notes for some things happening this weekend. Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome in. I'm Zach Heiser. Rich France, with a cup of coffee in hand, joins me from across the way. How are you, sir? Yeah, two things. This we I think we a few minutes ago we discussed this is the earliest horsepower yes. happening we yes. have ever done. I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. The only other I time do... we've ever done a show and it be AM was a post All American four hundred program. Uh and I don't think we recorded that one until like eleven AM. Yep, but I got my my cup of Joe here from a Silanot Coffee Company. Yes. Right? Yes, Chase Burda. Fitting fitting for this Monday morning. Very uh, in my horsepower happenings cup. So, uh, see, also, also, yeah, also, by the way, Zach, I, before we get going, yeah, we did miss last week. I wanted to just say, uh, you know, everybody's thoughts and prayers are with you, Becca's family, your wife, yes, um, had a loss last week, and that, that, 
we weren't just lazy last week. There was a reason why we needed to wait a week to do this. Yeah, absolutely. And so we appreciate everybody's patience and thank you for that. And uh, happy to be back in the saddle and, and get things going. we got a great show lined up for you tonight. We'll talk to John Beach here in uh, just a few moments. Also on the way, we'll get with uh, with Phil uh, Bozell, who we had lined up for last week. He was very gracious to uh, to postpone a week. Also on the way, Steve Irwin, who picked up a win over the weekend at Silver Bullet Speedway, and Trevor Barry, who joins John Beach in the bringing wins back to Michigan category from Winchester Speedway. And, Rich, let's talk about Winchester. You didn't make the trip this weekend. That's fine. You were swinging the golf club and chasing white balls around. Um, but everybody else was chasing Hoosier tires around Winchester Speedway. What a weekend for the World Stock Car Festival. Yeah, I was. I caught a little bit of that yesterday. But I, I was at Flat Rock Speedway for their final, their season. Uh, our season ended on Saturday, so Flat Rock Speedway wrapped that up. No more races at Flat Rock for 2023. But uh, yeah, it looked like you guys had a rough time there with tires, and and I can't believe the World Stock Car Festival hasn't. You know, it it's always the same week of the year. Yeah, I know it's had to been hot there before. Was it just a case of? bringing a different tire and it didn't match up this year i don't know yeah i don't know what the 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 issue is either so it all kind of nobody was really talking about it that i had heard until after the conclusion of the jeg cra all-stars tour show a a show in which chase burda and brandon varney went to war uh and that wasn't even the storylines chase burda jumped out to the lead from the pole and uh led the opening rotation and did not Lose the lead, uh, Rich, despite challenges by Brandon Varney on a restart. Varney pulled even uh, and almost took the lead at the line. Berta maintained the lead by 67 uh, one hundredths of a second at the line. Uh, so very close for him to keep the lead. They race on. Berta able to pull away a little bit as Varney tries to get back to him. Something starts to go away on that 61 car. Um, this is foreshadowing. And all of a sudden, that car gets sideways. Varney's pushing hard. In the fence he goes. Pancakes the right side. Brandon Varney's out of the race. Fast forward, we get a caution. With five laps to go, Michael Hind, Chase Berta, they've been cat and mouse in each other all race. Hind gets the best of Berta on the restart. Slides across the nose. Has the lead in turn one. Coming back around, four to go. Three to go. Berta's looking, looking, can't do anything. Two to go. Berta's looking, can't do anything. White flag in the air. Michael Hine thinks he's going to victory lane at Winchester Speedway. Berta sails it into turn one on the bottom. Keeps it off of Hine for the most part. They're dead even down the back straightaway. Berta turns hard left, squeezes Hind up toward the fence. Doesn't put him in the wall, but just says, you know, how's it going? Let's exchange phone numbers. What's grandma's cookie recipe? And at the line... Uh, just an absolute barn burner. Berta gets the win by inches over Michael Hind. Come to find out, Rich, after that race, people started looking at tires a little bit more wear than what you would expect after 100 laps around Winchester Speedway. And then the discussion started Sunday morning. What are we going to do? How are we going to handle this? Irish Saunders, we all know him from, from Hoosier, great representative. He gave CRA some suggestions on what to do. Competition caution after 30 consecutive laps. That's what we did, Rich. Uh, but it didn't stop the bleeding on Sunday with the ASA CRA Super Series powered by Jags. Uh, multiple tire failures, multiple cars in the wall, um, including but not limited to Gio Ruggiero, who was leading with uh, 10 laps to go. He ends up in the fence with seven to go. 
Billy Van Meter in the fence uh, with an apparent tire issue. Rick Turner somehow kept his car out of the wall, but he took a, a right front tire right off the bead uh, when it was all said and done. Blake Rowe in the fence. I don't know if that was a tire problem. He hit the wall on the opening lap and then absolutely destroyed the car on the second lap going into turn one. Uh, so he had a hit issue. Michael Hind from the lead into the wall in turns three and four. So several cars, Rich, tore up pretty bad uh, after Sunday at Winchester. And, and not to the lack of effort from Hoosier or CRA. We hit our first competition caution mark, Rich, where we told drivers you can come down pit road, examine the tires, and if they look bad, we'll give you an approved flat scuff that you can put on. Not one car came down pit road to examine tires at the first competition caution. So then, after that, CRA said, you don't have a choice. We're all coming down pit road, and we're looking at tires. Yeah, you, you almost had to do it. Why they wouldn't come down? I mean, if the, just let everybody come down, take a look. Maybe they felt all right. But... Um... And I think that's the thing is I don't think anybody ever felt a shudder or or anything out of the ordinary. I think they just boom let go. Uh, and, and, and that's what it seemed to me when I was I was able to catch some of that yesterday, and it didn't seem like there was a lot of warning because when, when it decided to let go, yeah, it let go in a hurry. You would think these guys, these drivers are smart. If they're some, feeling something not right, there's a I'm not going to destroy a race. They're car not going to destroy a race car. No. No, and not and and again, with attrition, right? You had a, you went from a, a 16, 17 car field to an eleven, twelve car field in a hurry from starting parks and attrition. If you feel something, you're going to go down pit road and know you only have to make up a few spots. So um, it was a tough day, but the thing that caught me off guard the most, Rich, I don't know if you saw this, was Donnie Wilson, the the flagship driver, the 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 head honcho, the foundation maker for Wilson Motorsports, which has now won countless Red Buds, countless, you know, All-Americans, just really has come alive in the last few years. For the first time since 2017, went to Victory Lane in a Temple Late Model race, Rich, and you know who Donnie Wilson is. Just a burly guy. You don't want to mess with him. Where'd that emotion come from? So emotional in Victory Lane, just talking about the old dog has still got it, Rich. And yeah. uh, what a story that is, huh? What, that was so cool. Yeah, like you know, like he said, uh, he he's so busy developing drivers, he doesn't get to get in. Yeah, like he used to. You know, we we every time he shows up and he he's ran the Winchester four hundred, um, he's always fast, right? He's he's not he has not uh, you know lost any talent behind the driver's seat, no. whatsoever. But um, yeah, I mean, his priorities are di priorities are different these days. Um, you know, Gio Ruggiero, I mean, Paul Butcher, all these guys are driving for him and, you know, and they're basically pay for rides for him and he prepares these cars and gives them great race cars. Yeah. But, uh, the emotion he had in victory lane, uh, on a couple occasions in, in your interview with him, uh, I didn't see that coming because if you, if you have a, on any other weekend, you have a conversation with Donnie, you don't see any of that. He's a, he's a rough and tumble guy and, and, and. I've never seen that side of him. It was no. pretty cool. Yeah, I, and I talked to him earlier. You know, I did my pre-race walkthrough, and uh, I talked to him for maybe three or four minutes just because, you know, he's just kind of straightforward to the point, you know, and, and um, I wasn't sure what I was going to get, and we, we hit on it a little bit because 
yeah, he won the race, Rich, but he also had a junk race car sitting on the other side of the Victory Lane banner, and he, he did say that. He's like, well, yeah, this is great, but I feel bad for Geo because we got a junk race car now. So, um, But, yeah, that was so cool. And the other cool story for me, Andrik Dimayuga, in his second-ever circle track start from Mexico City, Mexico, uh, a NASCAR Mexico star, second-ever start, third-place finish, in the first ever time seeing Winchester Speedway. So that's pretty cool uh, for him and for Waters Motorsports. I was able to stay out. I stayed out long enough to watch your interview, and you have to be so glad that you didn't that you didn't have to go back on your high school days and remember Spanish, right? Yeah, so here's the deal. Somehow they let me out of high school without taking any Spanish. So I was really glad uh, that Andrik found me uh, before the race, and uh, he, he asked me, when's the driver's meeting? And I went, oh, thank God he can speak English. <laughs> <laughs> So you were going to be in trouble. I was in so much trouble. Yeah, but uh, it was really cool. Andrik, a great guy. If you get a chance to meet him, uh, to talk to him. And and I think I can say this on our podcast. I asked Andrik, I said, um, so what do you think of Winchester Speedway? And he goes, and if you have kids listening, now is the time to plug their ears. Uh, I said, uh, what do you think of Winchester Speedway? And he goes, it's kind of a balls in your throat type of feeling. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I said, yeah, that seems that seems pretty accurate. So uh, good stuff, uh, and so great for him. And then Chase Berta, too. What a weekend for him. Wins the Jags to a race, podium finish uh, for the Super Series race, and uh, mixed bag of emotions for him, too. He's, you know, hey, we're going to load it in one piece, but, man, I'd have liked to have been up there and, and got the win. Does a great job at Winchester. Picks up a, a, a top podium finish, top three at Merritt. Yeah. I, be okay. I believe – um, just jumping in and out, just jumping in, in and out of race cars, dirt pavement does, man, is he getting good this year or what? It's funny. So in victory lane, uh, his, his sister Courtney and he's, she's kind of his media guy or media gal, I should say, um, as Chase is climbing out of the car and celebrating in victory lane and everybody's hooting and hollering. I whispered in Courtney's ear, I said, you're going to give this up for dirt. And she turns and she smiles at me and she goes, yeah. 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 <laughs> So, but yeah, he can wheel anything. I mean, he, he has really shown that he can drive anything. So, um, good stuff this weekend. Um, and, uh, really, really awesome to get a chance to work with everybody. Uh, Jonathan, uh, Ramos, glad to work with him again. Uh, Scott Menlin, of course, um, you know, who, who pays the bills for us. Just a fun weekend. Greg Wood, right? Joe Ballish, all those guys. Um, stressful yesterday, right? With the tires. Nobody wanted to be in that situation, but, uh, a good time and glad to see Charlie Shaw and Larry, uh, down there at Winchester Speedway. They're, they're making some improvements and, uh, trying to bring that track back to the forefront. Yeah. Now it's my turn to kind of take a little week. I, I get like three or four days and then I, I grab the winch, the CRA banner. Yeah. Next Saturday, next Saturday, I'm going to be at the Birch Run Speedway for race number three of the Triple Crown on Saturday. And then the following week, the Glass City 200 for the ASA Stars National Tour, which I'm sure you'll be there as well, hopefully. That's the plan. Um, and so a couple of busy weeks coming up here with Champion Racing Association. Well, Rich, uh, it's, it's our pleasure now to bring on one of the people that I had an opportunity to talk with uh, over the weekend. And uh, we'll get into some of the things that we discussed before he went back to Winchester Victory Lane from Muskegon, Michigan. It's our pleasure. John Beach, welcome back to Horsepower Happenings. 
Thank you for having me, guys. I really appreciate it. He's on the road, on the road home. It's uh, we, as we documented, maybe the earliest that we've ever done a, a horsepower happenings episode because it's Labor Day and we don't want to be laboring uh, all day. So, <laughs> um, John, what a weekend! World Stock Car Festival obviously is is second to the Winchester Four Hundred weekend, but this weekend has a lot of of uh, merit and a lot of history with Winchester Speedway, a, a racetrack that you. Um, really have come to love over the last couple of seasons. Um, kind of talk about making the long haul from, from Muskegon and, and why Winchester is always on the list of places that you'll go. Like you said, it is a long haul, but it's it's something we would do even more if they had more races down here. You just don't have a track anywhere like it. You know, we've made the long haul even to Bristol and stuff, and, and Winchester is just its own animal, and we just love to come there every year. Yeah, and, and, and I guess i got to ask now, you know, the Jags win a couple of years ago, which a lot of people called an upset, and uh, a lot of those people weren't from Michigan. People from Michigan said, hell no, that ain't an upset. John Beach is a wheel man. Um, you know, that, that, uh, you know, you should expect him to go to victory lane. And, and now, here with the late model sportsman win, 40 laps of just absolute cruise, what I called cruise control, but again, it's Winchester Speedway, so it's not cruise control. But what is it about this place, John? What is it about the high-banked, uh, worn-out old lady that we know as Winchester Speedway that fits what you do behind the wheel? Honestly, it's, it's one of those places, one, you got to do a lot of work in the shop, a lot of preparation. you got to stay up on all your maintenance and everything like that. I mean, it's a place you see a lot of part failures and everything like that. So if you're not doing the work in the shop, things arise that you just didn't expect. So, um like to think I have a really good maintenance program with me, my dad, the girlfriend, everybody that kind of helps me uh, on that side of it. Um, and then as far as the track goes, it's, it's a hammer down. Uh, you got to know when to, to take it, when to, to give some, um, when to ride and when to, to run your fastest laps you can. So, John, we see you, we see you throughout the summer quite a bit, actually this summer I've seen you and what goes into, what goes into your decision, whether you're going to be working with somebody um, which is what I've seen a lot of this summer, or whether you're going to pull the car out and uh, and put the helmet on. I mean, I, I circle two weekends uh, every year on, on schedule. That's uh, both Winchester weekends, and then uh, then we kind of plan our, our season around that. I like to, budget-wise, I like to run at least once a month just to, to stay in the seat, have fun, and the rest of it's to pay bills and, and keep Van Dorn customers uh, in victory lane and on track and running up front. So you got two wins down at the legendary high banks. Now one in the Jake Sherry all-stars tour and, and now in the CRA late model sportsman, some people can't get a hold of that place ever. And they wait for, and, and they can just never wrap up a win there. Um, you have two of them. That's, that's got to make you feel pretty good. It, it feels awesome. I don't have a, a lot of wins to my name. Um, but I, I've told people I wouldn't give up the, the first Winchester win for any more at a, any other track. Now to have two of them, it means, uh, like I said, a lot of work goes into it, and it's it's awesome, that's for sure. We talked about this in Victory Lane. I walked up to you uh, as you were sitting in the tech inspection line Sunday morning, uh, sun beating down. It was already hot. Uh, everybody was already you know trying to, to stay cool. And I said, okay, John, what's the plan for today? Late model sportsman race. You also had planned to tag the field for the ASA CRE Super Series race. I said, what's the plan? And John said to me, survive the late model race 
and then maybe we'll run 50 laps or so, just depending on what happens uh, in the Super Series race. And then qualifying rolls around, and you put in a good enough effort that the redraw, uh, or the, the uh, invert, rather, puts you on the outside pole. There's, and we said this in Victory Lane, John, there's no safer place on a racetrack maybe than out in front of the field. And, and, and so I think your plan worked out pretty good. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a lot easier starting towards the front of the field. We ended up qualifying um, fourth, I think, um, put us in the redraw, started us up towards the front. We don't have to come from the back and, and use up a lot of equipment or, or possibly get used up uh, by somebody else's part failure or something like that. It definitely makes it easier running your own race and maintaining your own car. And we talked about this briefly, too, in Victory Lane, but for those who weren't there or didn't catch the broadcast on Racing America, uh, subscribers can go back and watch you dominate this ra- this race. Um, the balance is different in these races. Your first win, your Jegs win, you had 100 laps to think about that car and deal with that racetrack and, sur- and literally survive. 40 laps, you guys had some cautions, not a huge amount of attrition fall off. Um, it, you told me in Victory Lane it's so different. You go 100%, 100% of the time in that late model race. Yeah, like like we talked uh, in Victory Lane there, I mean, it's a sprint. Um, I mean, these 40-lap races, compared to the long jets races, you got to be up on the wheel the whole time and, and running your qualifying laps um, almost every lap on the track. I mean, obviously, if you get out front, you can get a little bit of a, a gap. You can pace yourself a little bit more, but when you're running the start of those races, it's qualifying laps the whole time and you're up on the wheel. And I wonder, too, could you argue that maybe that's a little more different, uh, difficult, I mean, not different, difficult, uh, than because in the 100-lap races, the 400-lap races, you get some time in there normally. You might get 50 to 75 laps to breathe, to just, okay, let's settle in here and let's just click off some laps and, and maybe get a little time to relax. Again, all in retrospect saying this is Winchester Speedway, so how much are you relaxing? But 40 laps on the chip, all the time i'm wondering john as a driver is that maybe a little bit more stressful than those 100 lap or 400 lap races it is and it's like you said it's even harder on equipment trying to run those harder laps you're having to drive in the corner harder and everything like that i've always liked to think i was a better long race person because i can maintain uh, a comfortable speed um, not tear things up easy on tires and, and have something for the end of the races and these, these sportsman races are the complete opposite of that. It, it's just hammered down. John, we talk to guys when they're leading towards the end of a race, and we always ask them, you know, are, especially when you have a really, really good race car, are you waiting for something to happen? You know, oh, my God, it, what was that noise? What was that noise? But in a 40-lap race, that's a little different. You're, you're so on top of things, you know, like you said, you don't have time to let those things creep into your mind, right? No, um, and, you know, I like to think I surround myself with really good people. I have Chris Stearns up in the spotter stand. He's reading me laps, telling me where people are, what people are doing. You know, that helps a ton as far as a driver goes of knowing what's coming or what people are doing and where you're at compared to the rest of the field. So, John, i got to ask you uh, about the elephant in the room. Um, and the elephant didn't arrive until Sunday morning after the Jig CRA All-Stars Tour event when um, some guys looked at tires after 100 laps and said, man, these things are a little bit more worn than they should be for 100 laps. And then people started looking at practice tires from the weekend and went, oh, yeah, yeah, these, these things are looking rough. And 
we saw what happened in the ASA CRA Super Series race. Multiple tire failures, multiple junked race cars. Um, and then I'm seeing on Facebook this morning that there were some people in your division, uh, in the late model sportsman division, that were having issues with that as well. Um, what was your what was your uh, report from the from the tire standpoint? Uh, did things look okay for you guys, or, or were things getting hairy down the stretch? This was our first year coming down here on a on F60 left side. Uh, and then we had an F70 right side, which we've run here um, years past. And we did. I personally had some concerns. I had my more concerns on the left side just because I didn't have any data to know what it was going to do here. Um, and really, the the right side is what what we had a little bit more issue with of um, blistering and coming apart and things like that. It, it's just one of those things that Winchester is hard on things. Um, you know, as quick as Hoosiers making tires and things like that, sometimes you just got to uh, be easier on your tires for those races. But we didn't end up having any issues. We did have one kind of blister, but um, it made it the whole race, and, and we were able to, to finish it. So. And, and I wanted you – I'm glad you went that direction because I wanted you to elaborate a little bit, obviously – um, you know, your day job through Van Dorn Racing Development, you have a you have a, a, a development aspect job where you work to try to see what's going to uh, perform the best in the racing industry. No different in, in, in some aspects than what Hoosier's doing to try to bring a tire to this racetrack that's going to perform and going to last. Um, what when you're when you're hearing this and seeing this, um what are your thoughts now moving forward to Winchester weekend? Having seen this in the past, um, we're pretty confident that Hoosier's going to respond in a way that everybody's going to be comfortable for Winchester 400 weekend, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I feel like most of what they'll end up doing is is they may bring a harder right-side compound or um, they may have a batch of tires already set aside for the 400 weekend that, you know, they'll have a little bit more cure time um, and be sealed off and ready for those longer races just because um, maybe they'll set them aside and, and have them ready for the long weekend. John, I'm kind of curious, and, and, you know, I'm sure some race fans are probably a little curious too. Try to explain. Now, yesterday, you know, or this weekend, it, it was 90 degrees each day, and a lot of sun on that racetrack. Later yesterday, um, you know, in the ASA CRA Super Series race, so a lot of shade on half of the racetrack. Um, is which allows for more grip, which allows for more tire wear. So, which way would you rather have it? Um, because I'm, I'm wondering if it was just the heat that was causing the problems, the the ambient heat, or was it those cars that you guys are putting out there are have so much load on them these days, and you're creating so much grip? It's a, a little bit of both. Um, you got to think the the supers cars qualified in the heat of the day. Um, that could have also potentially hurt the tire right off the get-go. You had a high track temp. You had a high tire temp. We're putting a lot of load to them. Um, and then, you know, it possibly could have hurt them early in the day. And then come race time, you know, things start to fail for the, the higher loads and stuff. So. And one of the things I heard too, Rich, after the race, and John, um, you can weigh in on this, is, Obviously, there was frustration because we had tore up race cars. Don't I, I'm not overshadowing that, but one of the things is people were saying Winchester is just an aggressive track. It's an abrasive track, 
And quite frankly, John, it's a dirty racetrack. I mean, because it it does it, it'll knock the popper of its right off the race car without hitting a thing. Um, so how much? What what do we do about that? I mean, it, there's nothing really that we can do short of repave the racetrack. And I can already hear it now. Don't repave Winchester Speedway. Hashtag it and make it official on social media. Um, but I mean, there are just some things that there are some variables you just have to deal with. I think. Yeah, and, and that variable also um, is why it's hard to get cars sometimes. This, we'll say, for this race in particular, and when we tried doing some earlier season races, is people are in championship battles and things like that, different series and everything, and, and they don't want to take a chance of tearing up a car here when they still might have one or two points races somewhere else yeah look at Gio um, Ruggiero right I mean pancake the right side of his car leading the CS the CRA Super Series points the Southern Super Series points and in the hunt for ASA Stars National Tour and they just pancake their primary car at Winchester great point right and and, and there's no light crash at Winchester everything is even if it looks like a light hit I mean it's to the extreme you're you're completely destroying race cars possibly depending on how hard it is so it's just one of those things that scares a lot of people away for this weekend in particular. And, John, i got to believe, you know, like Zach said, what do you do? Pave the racetrack. I think there's a difference. Um, while it's while it's an old track, yeah, you're going to tear up some race cars. You pave that place, you're going to get somebody hurt these days. Oh, with the speed yeah. that, that you'd end up with. Yeah, good good point. Yeah, it, it would be, you know, probably a second faster if they paved the place. And it's you don't need that. I mean, it's, it has its character. It's a fun place. It's aggressive. And, and there's other variables we can do, uh, to control this. Um, like I said, even going to like the Bristol right side tire we ran, you know, a few years back and things like that. If, if we are concerned that it, it is a tire issue. John, let's get back to more about you and your team here. Uh, you, you mentioned, or Rich mentioned that, um, you know, we see you a lot more in kind of the, the driver, uh, development role or the crew chief role or things of that nature. Talk about bringing Chris Munson down this weekend. You told me at one time that you thought he probably was the one having the most fun on the property. Just talk about your weekend with him. Absolutely. I mean, Chris is a blast to work with. Um, he, he doesn't have a lot of uh, seat time. I mean, when we got together here a couple of years ago, it was the first time he's ever been in a race car. So it's fun to take him to new places. It's, it's fun to just watch him enjoy turning laps, having fun. Um, you know, he, he's got a little bit different game plan than what most are. Most are unloading there to, to win a race, and, and we're unloading to keep the car in one piece, have fun, uh, get more seat time, and, and he's getting faster when we're going back to places, you know, for a second, third time. And and we've run a Wasso quite a bit this year, and, and he's a, a top three car most of the time as far as speed goes. So um, it's something he's getting getting better behind the seat also how much do you enjoy doing that versus driving the race car i know obviously winning there's nothing like that feeling um and there's nothing that compares to driving a race car but um as you transition to that role of kind of helping these other people seeing the smile on his face when he takes the helmet off what is that like for you it's pretty cool i mean i i put as just as much work into his cars as i do my own so when they go out and, and he can go um, you know, a top three or, or even fast time at places, you know, you got to take a lot of pride in that and, and you know, appreciate what you're doing um, and also, you know, having fun while you're doing it. 
John, we're getting to September and then the racing starts getting fun, right? We start having some big races. Coming up uh, just in a couple weeks now, we have the Glass City 200 for the ASA Stars National Tour. And then, uh, you know, a month later, we have the Winchester 400 weekend. I have a, a general idea where we're going to see that we're going to see you with the helmet at Winchester. Uh, we're going to see you down at Toledo in some capacity. We'll most, or I most likely will be at Toledo. I don't know who I'll be with, um, but I, I'll be there in some form, whether it's uh, in the spotter stand, uh, a crew chief role, or even uh, doing some tires for somebody. But we'll be there with a Van Doren car most likely. How about that event, too? And, and I know this is kind of a, a sore subject. I don't even know if sore is the right word, Rich, but it's just a, another chapter uh, of the Glass City 200. And, John, you know uh, the history of that event. Um, talk a little bit about that becoming now a, a template late model race. Um, kind of, uh, I don't want to say saying goodbye to the outlaw um, portion of it, but, uh, again, just a new chapter being written this year with ASA. T- just uh, talk on that a minute. Yeah, I mean, uh, at one point it was something that, you know, was a 200-lap super outlaw race. Um, and then we did a couple years that it was split, you know, 200-lap races. And, and this year it's going to be a 200-lap uh, template race. So it, it goes through its, you know, cycles of, of what they may be. And it very well could be um, an outlaw super late mile race next year um, in the form of 200 laps. You don't know what the future is future is going to hold yet but as the, the outlaw cars are building more pay and and getting more bigger fields and things it very well could be one of those races again next year talk to me about the difference between these two racetracks because um i think that maybe the the novice race fan would go look at these look at winchester and toledo speedway on paper and go half mile high banked oval half mile high banked oval why is winchester so much harder on equipment um but the, the, these racetracks are really just two completely different animals right around the bottom at Toledo, uh, right around the top at Winchester. Um, so cool that we have these still two very unique racetracks within driving distance uh, of where we're at here. Absolutely. I mean, like you said, they, they both are hard on equipment. Um, I mean, you see a lot of engine failures and things. But they're uh, hard on different equipment, right? I mean, exactly. Winchester, it's suspension, it's tires, it's driver. Toledo, you just got to put a bullet in that thing and pray. <laughs> yep. And, and that's what I mean. They're, they're completely different tracks, but they're hard on different components. And, and that's why you see a lot of engines and stuff like that. One, it's the glass city 200 so always at the end of the year so things are getting wore out and, and things um but then again you know winchester's suspension and, and you also see some suspension failures at toledo just because of the speeds and loads and john we we know how important you know just like winchester is important to you we know how important toledo speedway is to your boss he's had a lot of a ex- lot of uh, success there and he said before it's his favorite racetrack yeah, he's he's been good there. I mean, I remember watching him back in 06, 07, 08. Like, every time they unload something there, Johnny has always been really fast, and it's always fun watching him. Um, it's unfortunate now that he's not behind the seat, but uh, he gets just as much uh, joy bringing fast race cars with different drivers, you know, Crump and Blake Rowe and everybody that he has behind the seat. Um, he gets just as much pride uh, putting those guys on the front row and, uh, you know, possibly in victory lane. 
is Kyle Crump in Crosstown Motorsports the smartest guys in the room after this weekend by staying home? Oh, man. It's one of those things, you, you know, I pick out a couple different races that I want to do, like Winchester. Um, you know, you got to take take your budget where you want to put your, your apples and everything in. And, uh, you know, Winchester just wasn't on, on the books for them this time. But Toledo, uh, they're going to have fast race cars. Well, John, I, I want to let you go here because I know you're 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 driving home. But you brought it. We brought up the the, the Van Dorn Racing Development and um, you know Butch and Johnny and that um, from the inside. Talk about the way that that company has really. I, this is my assessment, and and you can you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't think I am. Over the last five seasons, that company. And your crop of drivers have blossomed and just exploded with success and with talent. And now, all of a sudden, we're not talking. Uh, we're not talking about Senecas, and we're not talking about you know uh, LFRs or Hamkeys or things like that. We're talking about Van Dorn Racing Development cars going to Victory Lane from the inside. What has that been like with you and your team? Uh, and, and the Van Dorn team, just watching these these cars and these drivers find all this success recently. You know, it's really cool to to see what we're bringing on the track every week. And, you know, there's a lot of work that goes in at the shop, goes in testing and, you know, what you bring to the track, what you prepare in the shop, everything's got to come full circle. So it's really cool to to see all the hard work pay off every week. Well, and you're one of the ones who uh, <clears throat> paid off this weekend for uh, the Van Dorn Racing Development. I know that, uh, you know, you're obviously cashing checks from them, but you have some other uh, great supporters on the side of that number one car and, and back in the in the pits as well. And I want to give you a minute here to thank those people who made it possible for you to go to Victory Lane this weekend. Yeah, I can't thank Butch and Johnny enough uh, helping me with uh, the chassis side setups, things like that, all the information we're able to do there. But, you know, my sponsors, uh, my girlfriend that helps me, my dad, um, and then we have Extreme Indoor Kart Racing in Clio, um, Dwayne from Finish Line Seamless Gutters, um, Chris Stearns at Spots for Me from Stearns M15 Garage. And then I have, you know, a whole list of people that, that we can go for hours here. I'll thank them. But <laughs> those are my big ones that I, I appreciate. And I appreciate everybody that helps me week in and week out. Well, John, uh, congratulations. You got a pretty cool trophy. Th- those trophies were pretty neat, weren't they? I thought those things were awesome. You know, it, it's really cool. Um, myself, uh, Trevor Berry, um, Chase Berta, all bringing these globes back to Michigan. It, it's definitely a cool trophy. And um, it's going to be something that that we're going to hang on the shelf here and enjoy looking at. John, have a safe trip home, my friend. Thank you so much for making time for us. Congratulations. Thank you. I appreciate it. Well, Zach, on the phone lines now, you know, we, John Beach said, hey, you know, Trevor had a pretty good run. All right. We'll just go ahead and call Trevor. That's fine. Up. Let's call so, Trevor, see what he's doing. <laughs> picking up the win in the 40-lap uh, modified feature at Winchester Speedway yesterday uh, out of Clio, Michigan. Trevor Berry, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. Well, I appreciate John uh, giving me the plug there, and you guys having me on. Man, let's go back to yesterday. Uh, really good race car, that 37 machine. I would say um, awfully fast, and then we'll get to the end, but uh, but awfully fast throughout, mo- for, throughout most of that 40-lap feature. Yeah, it was extremely good. Uh, it's been good all year. Um, Derek came this weekend to uh, help us out, and 
we were fast right off the trailer. Uh, pretty consistent, just minor tweaks to uh, try to get it dialed in. And like you said, it was it was really fast for most of the feature there. And with about 15 laps to go, uh, it was like it hit a switch and went dead loose. And all I kept hearing from Derek was just keep the car straight. Don't spin the tires because he's coming. And it wasn't really working out that way. It was pretty <laughs> sideways, and I was not keeping the tires under it. But uh, hopefully it made for an exciting race, and I uh, had to work for that one for sure. I can tell you right <laughs> now, if I was in Trevor's shoes, I would key the mic and say, what the hell do you think I'm trying to do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would have, I, Trevor, I would have said, we're at Winchester. How do you do both at the same time? Yeah, it's uh, that place there, you ah, it's you can't. Like, 15, 5 to go when he was up underneath me, it was, I mean, we're going to either hit the wall up here or we're going to win this race because yeah. we've came short, like, too many times here to give it up this way. So we're going to try and just happen to work out. And, and, that's, and that's one of the things, too, I was telling Rich, is I feel like every time that 37 or, or you unload at Winchester Speedway, you are in the hunt, um, and, and you are one to beat at that racetrack. And so I'll ask you the same thing I asked John. That racetrack is a bear for some of the best drivers in the country, uh, and, and you are one of the best in the country, I believe. Um, so what is it Thank about you. that racetrack? How do you, how, do you, uh, how do you get so good there at Winchester Speedway? I don't, I don't know. You just kind of got to, you know, tuck your fear behind you and uh, – just kind of drive the racetrack. Um, it seems like the more I back out of the corner and like try to slow down, the worse the car feels. So you just kind of got to drive it for all it's worth. And um, seems like the harder I drive, the faster the car goes and the better it feels. So uh, I think it's tough. Like I talked to Blake Rowe earlier in the week and he was like, man, I don't know if this place is for me. And it's like, you know, once you get past the fear and you drive in the corner as hard as you think you need to drive and it, you feel it stick and you suck into the banking and stuff and you got all that grip uh it's not that hard to do it again but it's just getting yourself to do it the first time is is the hard part for sure well and, and i talked to blake too uh and we had a similar conversation and and then i talked to rick turner on the template side of things and he said you have to drive this racetrack hard you have to drive in and i love the quote that everybody uses Drive in till you see Jesus, burp the throttle, and then go again. Um, exactly. And, and how hard, how difficult is that? I mean, you're running the top of the racetrack. You have to drive. I've never been around the racetrack in anything, just ever seen it from the tower. But it looks like you drive and point that thing right for the right for the outside wall, turn a little bit, let it go up, almost touch the wall, and then run away from it down, down the straightaway. Um, how do you just, is there any mental side of it, or do you just have to go completely brain dead and hold your foot to the floor well you kind of just got to go completely brain dead really i mean <laughs> you drive in and you see the wall coming you can't really see out in front of you because all you're looking at is the top of the roof so i think that's the hardest part for a lot wow. of people is you just can't see through the corner so once you get in it all you can see is the top of your roof and like right where you're headed so you can't see if cars are wrecking you can't see where the wall's at on the front stretch you're just kind of putting your car where you think it needs to be and then you're wide open and all of a sudden you see the straightaway and you're like all right cool i think i'm in a good spot here and just <laughs> keep holding her wide open so it's a it's a very tricky racetrack uh it's definitely not for everybody uh we've been fortunate and been fast like you said for a, for a long time we've been trying to win there for 
10 years and it seems like we figured out every which way to lose there. Um, so it's nice to finally, finally get one because, uh, we wanted that one bad. Trevor, I, I, I had a little other, one of the few weekends I was not at a racetrack yesterday, uh, in this 2023 season, I was on the golf course and I had a few Pepsis afterwards <laughs> and I got home in time to watch your race. Um, I saw the whole thing and I started getting excited like you did about 15 laps to go. Was that a good thing that you had Burkett and Dimmitt behind you battling or a bad thing? Because you also ha had not the best race car at the same time. Yeah. Um, I mean, I raced with Dimmitt quite a bit over the last few years and he's always been a very respectable racer to me. Um, always runs me clean. I mean, we ran three wide at a Wasso early in the year. Didn't touch. We raced for the win at Berlin first race of the year. Didn't touch. And, uh, I felt very comfortable that he was the guy that was inside me those multiple times. I'm like, if he does get into me, it ain't going to be on purpose. Like he's going to race me hard and he's going to race me clean. And, um, you know, I try to do the same for him. So, uh, Burkett, I knew he wanted it, and <laughs> so I wasn't sure when he got to second if he got to me what was going to happen, but uh, I knew he wanted it bad, so um, I felt comfortable with Demet, and when they started racing and Derek was like, you know, you're kind of clear by three here with two to go, I, I felt pretty good. I knew I just had to not do anything crazy and keep the car straight, and I should be okay. So uh, I was kind of glad to hear they started racing there because I had my hands full. I don't know how it looked. to go for sure. I don't know how it looked on TV, Rich, but I've never seen anybody gain as much ground in the final corner at Winchester Speedway as Burkett did trying to get to Trevor. I he mean, probably didn't lift. He gained <laughs> ten car lengths <laughs> in turns three and four trying to get to you. Um, and, and so when the car's going away, talk about that discussion now that you guys are having inside. Uh, the team communications. Obviously, you got your hands full on the racetrack uh, with that car handling going away. But when you're hearing, okay, Dimmitt, because Dimmitt got close to you, too, at one point, and then Burkett mm -hmm. started messing with him, and, and that kind of, um, you know, was, was what led to him falling off of you. I guess my question is the balance between, okay, I have an ill-handling race car, and things are going to hell in a handbasket, and, okay, second and third are racing, can you make adjustments based on that information to try to conserve your race car and still be at the front? Yeah. Well, Derek was giving me great information throughout the race. So I knew earlier in the race when Dimmitt was trying to pass Nestor on the bottom, he had a rough time passing Nestor and I knew we were pretty good. So once Dimmitt got to me and I was struggling and I was free, all, you don't want to be loose at Winchester, never. Like, right, <laughs> and especially right. getting into the corner because you can't, you can't drive the track hard. So, and that's what you have to do. So, um, I knew if I could just give him the bottom and hope, you know, he ran me clean. That that was I couldn't let him get outside me, basically. And I knew he struggled to get by Nestor a little bit. Took him a few laps to get by him on the bottom. So I just tried to make sure I could keep the car straight, keep my momentum up, and. uh if he got under me or got next to me, it was underneath me. So I could get a good run off each corner and hopefully hold him there. And that's kind of what worked out. Thankfully. I watched Matt's post-race interview and he said, you can't beat that horsepower. Did your engine builder win that race? Um, my car owner and engine builder won that race. My, my team, I just was fortunate enough to drive that race car and I'm fortunate enough every weekend when I get to drive that race car. Um, Ken, you know, Derek built a phenomenal race car, the best in the country, in my opinion. And um, 
Ken O'Connor makes sure, I mean, we got three, four motors sitting at the race shop that are all his, that are all different combinations. And I, if it was just my family operation, there's no way we'd have any of that stuff. So he gives us all the tools we need to win. And we just put this motor together. It was one of Ken's that uh, Mueller Performance went through. And, um, yeah, it's a big motor. We got it, got it done for the hot shoe. Um, sorry, that was a gas station here. <laughs> a lot of cars close by. Uh, we had Mueller go through the motor and got it done for the hot shoe. And uh, how it ran at the hot shoe, we knew it would be good for Winchester. And, you know, if we didn't have that power down the straightaway, it would have been really hard to hold them off because that's the only thing that saved me was getting to clear them going into the next corner because if he'd have been next to me i would have been in trouble so it all ends up being great for you and 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 the the, the storyline is a good one for trevor barry um the storyline for the world stock car festival well documented in in john beach's interview and i think we're going to see more of it as the week unfolds here um with with the equipment failures um and, and it was interesting that this happened this way because when I was talking with Blake Rowe and, uh, and and Dale Spencer before the race, they obviously brought the supercar and the template car. Mm-hmm. I said, why don't you guys bring your modifieds? And they used a couple of expletives to tell me no. Um, and, and we're talking about the equipment that you run on these modifieds taking on this racetrack is just a, a combination for failure, given that you have to run so many stock components or stock appearing components. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you... Stay within the rule books and prepare your race car to not end up headlong into the wall at that racetrack. Yeah, I mean, we had a close call. My dad is very thorough. He's very meticulous when it comes to looking over everything. So, I mean, he looks for any strains and cracks and makes sure when we go, especially there, that everything's right. So, um, I mean, I can't, I can't thank him enough. I definitely wouldn't be where I'm at without him. And, uh, but we did break a um, left rear panar bar bracket that hooks to the rear end in the last practice. We actually weren't going to practice because we felt pretty good. And wow. uh, we decided to make a little race run. And seven laps in, the panar bar bracket, I mean, basically broke in half. And so, thankfully, uh, Kyle Purvis had his car up there that he's getting fixed by Derek. And the only thing left on that that was any good from his wreck at Toledo was the Panar bar bracket. So <laughs> they ran out there and took it off his car and put it on mine. And I made it out to qualify with, I think like five cars left in line. So I barely made it in time to qualify. And, uh, then the rest of the night, you know, kind of worked out the way it was. So uh, I can't thank like everybody on my team that, cause if we wouldn't have made qualifying right there, that was going to be it. There's no way with as hot as it was. And, how everybody was running that you'd be able to make it from the back to the front in 40 laps it just wasn't going to happen. So, um, Derek, Luke, Matt, my dad, Ken, I mean, everybody that just had their hands in trying to get me out there for qualifying basically won us that race. And I think about this too. Uh, <clears throat> I'm reminded of when all of our dirt guys went down to Bristol for the first time and they said, we're putting the meatiest things that we've got, the th- you know the heaviest duty equipment that we've got. We're buying new everything to put on these cars. Mm-hmm. Is that kind of the same thing when you get ready to go to Winchester? Like it, as as few used pieces as possible. Maybe the engine, maybe the drive line's the only thing used that's on that race car. Uh, is that kind of yeah. how you have to set up for this place? Yeah, and for the end of the year, usually my my dad decides to do it right before the hot shoe. It seems like the hot shoe, you know then this race follows that and as long as everything goes good you kind of just 
maintain those parts and we only usually run like three or four races including the hot shoe there at the end of the year so we try to make sure everything's new by that race to make sure we don't have any issues there try to win that one and then kind of carry it on and just make sure everything's still good uh throughout winchesters and whatnot Trevor, you mentioned kyle you won a lot of big races yourself um you know, you pick up the win this weekend. You had a, we talked to you after your really emotional win in the Glass City 200 at Toledo. Mm-hmm. Um, you got to go back to what you're going to go back to Winchester, you know, in, a little, in, in about six weeks. How do you, and you know how good Kyle is there. He half owns that place, right? Um, yeah. H- how do you knock him down? Uh, I don't know. Um, Way to you know, go! Way way to def- way to deflate the high that he had from winning this weekend. <laughs> now he's like, "Shit, we got to do this again." <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, you know, we're kind of all under the same umbrella, even though we all own our own cars. We all work through Derek, and we all work together as best we can to try to. There's not that many of us with DG cars, so we kind of work together. And we did some testing this weekend that they'll probably have on for 400 weekend, and um. But Kyle's extremely good. He's got a lot of laps there, and he is a gasser. And, I mean, that's a gas man track. And he, that dude can wheel around Winchester, and he can wheel for 50 laps, no problem. So um, we thought we had him a couple years ago in the run for the gun, and he passed us in lap traffic with, like, eight to go. And, uh, you know, didn't work out that night for us. But uh, I think after you win one, maybe they come a little easier. Probably not there, but I guess we're going to find out. a lot of it just depends on, you know, we're so close that I think just depends on pill draw and where you end up starting. will play a lot of factor in it, but um, I don't know. He's good. I'm glad he's somewhat on my side well, <laughs> throughout the I, year, but I was going to call my bookie. I was waiting for you to tell me bet on Trevor Berry for the run for the gun 50. Can you, can you go well, that far with me? I... I think I got the upper hand on them both because I was the only one here learning. That's right. So, That's right. I think, uh, I, think, uh, I think I got just as good a shot as anybody. So I'm filling out my ticket I don't know. now then. Fill out my I, hope, I hope I can get that gun, man. I want that gun bad. That would be, be pretty awesome. I want to talk about this. Um, you know, and, and, again, John brought it up in his interview, and uh, literally, let's pull the curtain back. He said that, and I went, hell, Rich, we need a fourth. Let's call Trevor see what he's doing. Um, and yeah. so, uh, this post on Facebook that John just made, he must've made it right after we got off the phone, um, you know, about not knowing if you'll ever be able to win again at Winchester and getting these trophies back to Michigan, uh, three trophies returning to the, to the home state with uh, chase Berta grabbing the other one. Um, mm-hmm. just the, the, the camaraderie that between you and John, let's talk about that. Cause this is a cool picture okay. that, that is posted on Facebook. Yep. Um, John and I go way back. He lives, well, he grew up five minutes from my parents' house. Um, we grew up going to auto city, Dixie, just watching our dads and whatnot. We're both sponsored by extreme under cart racing there in Clio. And we grew up racing go-karts in there with our dads on our teams, like an enduro race and stuff, just going back and forth, racing each other and whatnot. And I've known John for a very long time. And, uh, thankfully we became friends, uh, throughout the years and, He's always spotted for me and helped me in any way he can. And, um, I try to do the same for him. Uh, just been a cool dynamic. I mean, we haven't really raced each other a ton, like just him versus I, uh, and like modifieds and whatnot. I mean, I did recommend Winchester once. On <laughs> what? what? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. How did that, <laughs> how, how did that go? 
It, was, it wasn't on purpose. It was a template car. A lot of stuff happened. I bounced off him. He ended up wrecked. wasn't good. Did not enjoy pulling in the pit stall after that. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. So, we've been uh, just great friends throughout the years, and we always pull hard for each other and try to help each other out. And that year, he won his first one at Winchester. I mean, I don't think anyone was more excited than me. Maybe Chris Munson. Uh, Munson was definitely more excited for me. <laughs> more excited than me. But, um, uh, yeah, and then that was the year that, you know, Purvis got by me there with, like, eight to go. And we had a shot to both win on the same weekend uh, that year, and it was pretty cool to both win, you know, one race after another here this weekend. So that, that was pretty special. And got to be pretty cool for your inner circle. Uh, all Max picks up another championship. How about that? I mean, Max is just, you know, that, that guy is just super consistent. Like, every time I call him, he's just like, yeah, man, I ran third. Ran second. I know. I, know. I mean, it's like, <laughs> yeah, dude, but you're still running the top three every race. Yeah. He's always like, yeah, I can't win, though. I mean, what the heck? So, uh, but, yeah, he's, I mean, Max is awesome. That dude deserves everything that he keeps getting. I mean, he, he works extremely hard, and he's extremely good. So, it's, I mean, it's awesome to see his success. I mean, my inner circle of friends, man, you can't beat them. John Beach is awesome. Max is awesome. Chad Finley is one of the best. I you, mean, you literally it's can't. Like, it's unbelievable. You literally <laughs> can't beat them. They're always in victory lane. <laughs> it's um, crazy. And so we I, always just try to one up each other. <laughs> and unintentional transition, Rich. Good job. Um, because I was going to ask. Uh, you know, this is great that you're running this modified, and you know, you got that outlaw super late model. But the first time I was introduced to Trevor Berry was, hey, this is Trevor Berry. He's going to run my personal car tonight while I run the the, the other car, and that was. Uh, dirt car, Tri City, uh, sprint car. What the hell, man? What do we got to do to get your fire suit dirty again? Listen, anytime anybody wants to put me in a sprint car, I'm there. <laughs> I'm like, I'm on the first. I got a plane ticket. I'll go. I'm yeah, there. yeah. I just, uh, yeah, you know, um, I know Max has a lot of a lot going on, and uh, yeah, and that's not a Max Stambaugh dig either. That's a that's no, a, right, that, that that's right. a, and it really is a logistical or a race car driver question. Um, yep. you kind of went the, the route of pavement over the last three or four years. Um, where does dirt fit into what you want to do and what you're able to do? Uh, I mean, anywhere I could fit in a dirt race would be just great. Um, I, I love sprint car racing. There's nothing that beats sprint dirt sprint car racing in my book. Uh, I mean. I drive one in a heartbeat. I'm I'm very grateful for where I'm at right now and getting to drive for who I'm driving for. And it, you know, was an unfortunate way to end the sprint car deal just with all the motor problems and stuff we had. And, uh, just a blue collar family just couldn't afford to keep rebuilding sprint car motors. And unfortunately, I guess I didn't do enough to turn enough heads to get a sponsorship <laughs> deal or something in one of those. So, uh, but, so I'm very grateful for, anyone who's ever given me an opportunity. I mean, I've got to race every type of race car there is and had success in pretty much all of them. So, um, I'm just thankful. I'm happy to still be a race car driver and, uh, getting to race at cool places like Winchester. And if somebody calls me with a sprint car opportunity, I'll go wherever they want me to go to. But <laughs> It's just, uh, it's been a cool career. Uh, I have no regrets. It's been fun. And, Hopefully we can keep going here. And for the record, I, I am very well aware that Max does still own his own sprint car, so we can take a dig at him a little bit. Well, you know, you can't race I two know. you can't race two cars at the same time, son, so let's go. 
That's what I'm saying. I'll probably call him <laughs> on Tuesday, and he'll be like, well, I'll see you when you want, and then I'll be like, well, you know. I tell you Zach what. said, put me in your car. I don't know you, what to tell you. You. <laughs> you, call, you call him tomorrow and tell him that I want to see you in a sprint car at Hartford on Saturday, all right? Okay. <laughs> I don't have nothing to do next weekend, so. There you go. All right, Rich, go ahead. Trevor, we, we know you're going to be back for the run for the gun 50 at Winchester. Um, any, yep. Is there anything else you got going on your schedule um, for the rest of the 2023 season? Saturday um, at Hartford. We are gonna, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> if anyone has a sprint car, I'm there. Hartford, just give me a call. I'll be there. Um, no, we're gonna we're gonna run the Owasso Nationals um, with the uh, Bob Finley Memorial. Yeah, what a, just uh, deal park, going on? Park on that for a second too, because we just talked about Chad and and you know the the friendship mm-hmm. that you have with that family. Yeah, uh, big race. Um, I know it means a ton to him. Uh, he wants to win it bad. And I did, he called me yesterday after he heard that we won there and, um, they're trying to get another motor and whatnot together in, in that outlaw car. Uh, so he can go run that race. But, uh, that one would just, that'd mean a ton. I mean, if he, it'd be just awesome if he could win that one. And if I can't win the modified portion and see Corey, you know, win the modified portion or something like that, that'd just be, uh, that'd be great. So we're going to go over there and try to win that one for him and his family. And, uh, then we'll, we might go to, um, Sandusky for the cavalcade and then, um, the run for the gun. That'll probably be the the end of the year right there. Trevor, uh, I know you, you guys are (laughs) fighting through some issues right now, actually, as we talk, but, uh, I want to, I want to say thanks, uh, for, for making time to chat with us. And I want to give you an opportunity. You always, every time we talk to you, um, and you just did it not long ago, you, you try very hard to make sure you express just how thankful you are for where you're at in this sport, because you do get a chance to do some really cool things that there are a lot of people who would love to be able to just sniff mm-hmm, uh, the success sure. that you've got going on right now. So I want to give you a moment here uh, for those who maybe missed it yesterday in Victory Lane to, to thank those who get you where you are. All right. Um, well, he's like, he's like, wait, let Connor. me let, can I unload the race car? <laughs> yeah, right. No, uh, I'll start with Ken. Um, if it wasn't for him, I mean, I, I keep saying this three years ago, I would have been done. Uh, I just wanted to run Winchester one more time three years ago. And he let me run his old how car and, that was going to be it for me. Um, when the sprint car stuff didn't work out and, uh, then, you know, he bought this car for us and, uh, said, let's go win some races. So if it wasn't for him, I'd be watching races on TV or following Max or doing something. So, uh, I can't thank the O'Connor family enough for what they've done for my family, my dad, me. I mean, they're just incredible people. Um, I actually, the race we just won was on Ken's, what would have been Ken's dad's 80th birthday. And, uh, that's where the 37 comes from. So that is uh, pretty awesome. Pretty special that, uh, that all worked out that way. So, um, I would O'Connor trucking, um, extreme under cart racing out of Clio. He's been with me for 10, 12 years. Always helps us out when we need it. Donald Gwynn at O'Gwynn family funeral homes, liquid bidding, Don, Matt Mueller at Mueller engine performance. Um, my dad, my entire family, my girlfriend at Barry Racing Development, uh, Luke, Warhurst, Matt, um, Derek and Taylor Griffin at DG Performance. I mean, obviously, he, I think he builds the best race cars and best setup guy around. Um, the Mueller put this motor together. Um, 
gave us the carburetor right off their motor so we'd come run this race and uh you know that was a stout piece so definitely big thanks to them and uh i think that's it john blatt all-star performance i mean john beach van Dorn racing development all these people just i can't thank them enough they believe in me and uh Sometimes we win some races. <laughs> now, I just want to make sure, real quick, Rich, I just want to make sure. I, 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 maybe a car went by when it happened, but yep. did, did we think, uh, did we think, uh, a, a misses at all? Did we think anybody like that? Do we need to make sure we do that? Do you have Listen, a- my girlfriend puts up with so much stuff? <laughs> okay. Like, if I didn't mention her, I mean, she'd be like, what the heck? So there, but, you, I just wanted to make sure we know, covered that. She, uh, yeah, she, <laughs> she lets me go racing and do what I love to do. And uh, I can't thank her enough, my entire family, my sister. I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know. We just do this little under-budget program. We got lucky and got some great sponsors, and we get to go race. So uh, we're just trying to make the most of it. Well, Trevor, you talk about an under-budget program. I'll tell you, you get a hold of Max. He gets you in that ride for next weekend. We got a couple horsepower happening stickers for the wing. We don't got no money. We don't we have got, any money, we but we'll put stickers on it. That's what it takes. You got to look like that's you know, right. a lot of people got you, and then maybe more will come. That's so right. I'm, I'm with it. I'm there for it. I just, want, I just want to point out, this interview was recorded in the morning, 1048 a.m. I sent a text. Congratulations, <laughs> my friend. Sorry I missed it. See you and Trevor Barry on Saturday. <laughs> perfect perfect uh, uh trevor always a pleasure man we have a lot of fun talking to you uh good same. luck good luck with uh with your situation hopefully you can get home without the help of uh dot officers so uh man uh just good good work this weekend always a lot of fun to chat with you and uh looking forward Thank to you. seeing seeing what the rest of the season brings you well thanks guys i appreciate you guys having me have a blast talking to you guys too and uh maybe we can talk after we got a rifle or something that's right that'll work <laughs> Well, Rich, one of the things we missed from last week was uh, the opportunity to go over the answers for the August Gary Did You Know. And so uh, two weeks ago, we brought Gary on the program for a very special edition of Gary Did You Know. Rich, tell us about it. Yep. So, you know, Gary came up on his own and he says, I want to do something special for this one. And so he added a bonus question and he said... This is going to be an original quiz, the first original quiz from the Mark Times that Gary ever created. And so he didn't just come up with these in the last week or two. This is the quiz from the his original quiz from his first time doing the Gary. Gary, did you know um, in the Mark Times? So he brought it back and then he added a bonus question. And we'll get to that at the end just to kind of make it a little interesting. But let's kick things off. So question number one for the August quiz. What Michigan modified driver was known as the shy one? I, so, again, all these questions came out before my dad was born. I'm out to lunch, okay? Yep. so I, I, I went through, and I, I don't know in the last week, I think we might have had a couple people go in and go and try to answer them. But as, as of the time when we prepped this, uh, Brad and AJ got it right. Uh, answers Dick Carter. Okay, Dick, good. Dick Carter. So... Brad and AJ, one for one. One for one. Here we go. One for one. Keep, keep, let's keep track here. We're doing the math. Question number two. What popular former late model driver would be fun to hunt? <laughs> Hit me. Paul. Okay, so, so <laughs> Brad, Glenn, AJ, 
all said Danny Bird. Get the reference? Yes, yes, okay. I do. I like it. Well, Gary went the other way. Uh-oh. He, he went with quite a bigger animal. Uh, it would be Moose Myers. Oh, Moose, Moose Myers. yeah. Okay, Moose, yeah. I like that so many people went Danny Bird. That's a good That's a good Every, one. Everybody went Danny Bird, and uh, Gary had them all fooled with Moose Myers. So uh, one for one. They're yeah. one and one now. One win, one loss. That's Question right. Question number three. Now, this one, people went a little further back. I think they were thinking too far back. Who won the first Motor State 400 at Michigan International Speedway? The last name is in the right era, but... Uh, the... They had the last name right. <laughs> right. What do we got? So, Brad and Rick said Leroy Yarborough. I An think that you went back a little bit too far. An MIS Anthony, Anthony uh, AJ said the same thing. He said Leroy yep. Yarborough, so... And then I think AJ submitted another one and got it on the second one. Oh. I think he thought better of it. Okay. Uh, Hale Yarborough. Kale. Hale Yarborough won the first ever Motor State 400 at Michigan International Speedway. All right. Uh, Question number. Go ahead. No, I, you're, you're doing exactly what I was going to do. Uh, what area track would be fun to throw across the water? And everybody got this. Oh, yeah. That one's easy. <laughs> <laughs> did, you, would you, did you have this one? Oh, I could have got it. Yeah. Yeah. This one is a good one. I like this. Uh, answer, Brad, Glenn, AJ, all got it. Flat Rock. All right. Flat rock. Yeah. The good skipping stone. That's right. Yep. Absolutely. And then the bonus question Gary threw in. This was hard. We had some guys come close. What month and year was this quiz, this quiz published in the Mark Times? Keyword there, and I said this in the podcast, published in the Mark Times. Correct. Yeah. Correct. So AJ said 1975. Uh, Brad came close. Really close. He said March of 1976. And the answer from Gary, June of 1976. This quiz appeared in the Mark Times. Yeah, so you wonder if maybe because uh, uh, Anthony AJ is uh, is 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 uh, blaming the Michigan Motorsports Hall of Fame uh, for saying 1975. So you wonder if maybe that's when this quiz was submitted or created, uh, but wasn't published until june so you well, gary would know seeing he was the author <laughs> that's right that's right so there you go gary did you know uh this round how'd you do uh a pretty good efforts by uh, by a couple of folks this week so we appreciate that and uh rich we'll have gary coming up here in what two weeks yeah, well yeah we just seem to run behind yeah i know i know a couple more weeks we'll have gary all right good stuff Right after the Glass City, right after the Glass City 200. Hey, that's Gary. that's so, fitting. Yeah. That's pretty. That'll fitting. be that'll be a great. We can recap it with Gary because we know Gary will be there as well. That's right. Let's get into another interview, and uh, we we were we were razzing on Trevor Barry about his dirt stuff. So now let's actually go all the way and uh, talk dirt track racing. It's our pleasure now to welcome in the Fenton, Michigan driver. He uh, makes his living behind the wheel. Well, not his living, but he could make his living behind the wheel of non-wing sprint cars. Steve Irwin, welcome into Horsepower Happenings, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. What a weekend. Um, seasons are winding down, man, and, and I know that you know you probably admittedly haven't had the season that you might want to have. Uh, some bad luck has, has come your way, and uh, some solid finishes mixed in there too, but you get back to Victory Lane Saturday at Silver Bullet, uh, a racetrack that has loved you and has hated you uh, over the yeah. course of the past couple of seasons, man. Uh, talk, talk about getting back to Victory Lane there. Yeah, I mean, that place, I'm usually really fast there, um, like like qualifying Saturday, we're half a second faster than everybody most of the night. But that track, it's always one groove, and it's, it's hard to pass. So if you don't get yourself in a good track position and stuff, it doesn't really matter how fast you are. You got to, you gotta, you know, 
pull some moves on restarts and the original start and, and, um, and, you know, put yourself in position. It's almost kind of like pavement racing in a way in that way with the track position. And and talk about how that balance too, of when you have that start or that restart, sometimes even when you're in the lead, you you have to kind of look at that. Uh, You know, as a matter of fact, we've seen that too this season where, if you if you're not exactly perfect on a restart, even from the lead, uh, things can slip away. And 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 I do want to touch on. I'm sure you know where I'm going with this, and I want to touch on that in a minute. But the balance between being aggressive on a track like Silver Bullet to to take the lead or to maintain the lead, and then to try to not tear your stuff up. Uh, how you find that balance? Yeah, I mean that place is it gets cleaned off when you run four or five laps. And what I mean by cleaned off is imagine a shuffleboard table. When you get a yellow there, there's dust and it lands on the track and the tracks. He always packs the track in hard. Yeah. So you got to be careful like the first two laps to get going and you almost got to run 80% for two laps and kind of protect your spot before you can actually get going. But that's where a lot of guys mess up there is they're, they're up front and they get too aggressive on the start and all it takes is one little slip and then you can get somebody, you know what I mean? So yeah. when you're in the lead, if you're leading there and you get a restart, you just got to run 80%, 85, 90, 95, you know, and then by <laughs> then you're like, it. you're two and a half, three, three laps in it. And then, then you can go back to the pace that you were running. And I think that's a great point to back off. I, I never thought, well, and I have, except when you bring it up that that dust kind of hangs in the air and then when that caution yep. comes out it can settle back it on the racetrack right back down that's why i tell everybody it's like a shuffleboard table wow that's... so you know and then once you get the dust off of it then you get some grip back dave like like um zach said he had mentioned you know not not a spectacular year you know kind of a trying year for you but you know that could, a lot of drivers that can that can just carry over and carry over and you can just never dig out of it does it help you with your experience like at Silver Bullet? You, you, know, you know that track upside down, to, to not have that happen week after week? Yeah, I mean, our deal this year was we were kind of topped out with the speed, with the chassis we were running and the, and the shock package that we had. And I work on a lot of wing cars, and I'm up to speed on the wing st- stuff, and I felt like I was falling behind on the technology of the non-wing stuff, you know, not paying a lot of attention to my own program. And we changed chassis manufacturers. We tried some shock stuff. Plus, we had the tire change this year, which everybody had to deal with. Yeah. And we just couldn't get on the right page, you know. And then we had a couple races won or put a one, and we got taken out. And I took myself out at Hartford. And then that, then you got to start all over and rebuild. You know what I mean? So it's one of those deals where, you know, you make moves to be better, and sometimes it's not an easy button where we're like, well, we're going to buy this and we're going to buy that. Well, if it's a whole completely different package, it takes you a while to, you know, find out what everything needs. And then you get your speed later. And it's just taken us a while to, to hone in on it and, and figure it out. And let's qualify this too, Rich. Uh, the, the standard that we know Steve holds himself to and that now we have held him to, three wins, 10 top fives and 14 top tens. And we're saying – well, <laughs> you know, yeah. not a great season. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'm used to winning six or more a year. So, yeah, it is a down year for me. We've done good in the points. You know, we, we've done good, you know, in the point scale, but definitely not what what we're looking for. 
you know, with, but we got to you know, go yeah, ahead. Go ahead, Steve. I'll let you finish. Sorry. Yeah. I just, uh, you know, it's just, but sometimes that happens, you know, like I help a lot of other guys out and do that stuff. And I said, well, if we make these changes, we might go backwards before we go forwards. You know what I mean? And sometimes that's how it works out. Sometimes you make big changes and you're fast right off, right off the get go. But you know, um, we switched to a DRC car and they're a lot different. They were more different than what I was anticipating. You know, I've run Maxims almost my whole career. So, um, you know, we've, what we gained in speed, but we lost more what we had going good with the Maxim. Like I tell everybody, they're like, well, how do you like the DRC? And I'm like, I kind of don't right now. I said, I got, I got, I got, I got a three inch, I got a three inch notebook. That's three inch thick. And I said, I leave it at home because none of them notes that I've had for 20 years work. So we gotta, we gotta create a whole new notebook here. And how much does that change too? Sorry to Rich to step on your toes, but he brought up the, the incident at Hartford. How much does that notebook even more just need to be set on fire when you do have to do a complete rebuild uh, after your big wreck at Hartford? Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's the same thing. So the, I got the chassis bent, like I was really good. I should have been more patient, but you know, not having a lot of wins up to that point, I was pushing too hard and I made a mistake and I wrecked the car by myself. And then we got to get the chassis fixed and start all over. And then it's like, you know, once you bend the, bend the frame, you don't know if it's going to be the same as what it was, which is they never are. And we're already trying to find speed. So then you almost got to start all over because the frame frames are never like exactly the same as what they were before you wrecked them. Dave, does it, does it try your patience and, and knowing that you're trying everything new, new chassis, new tires, all this stuff. Um, did that help with your experience? Did it help you to have patience while you worked through everything? Yeah. I mean, I've dealt with this stuff before, you know, i you know, this is like my 27th year. I mean, you want to win all the time you go, but, you know, you got to kind of – it's hard for me to be patient. I think it's hard for anybody that races to be patient. If you're a patient guy, you're probably not a good racer. <laughs> but, um, you know, you just got to – you know, the car had speed at times. Like we said, a lot of quick times this year and then just, you know, faded in features. So, you know, we're – you know, it's – the patience comes when you're looking at the big picture going – you know, we were, we couldn't, with what we were running, we couldn't go any faster. So we had to try something. So you're always looking at the big picture and trying to move forward with, you know, with that. And now, now that we're kind of getting on a rhythm here, you know, we won Butler a couple of weeks ago, you know, we, we went down South and did, did okay. And, you know, we're now we're making the same changes and we're, we're getting in a pattern with this car and, starting to build up, build up some notes. You know, on the asphalt side, and, and we talked about it earlier in the show with John Beach and, and Van Dorn Racing Development, we hear a lot of those guys talk about how, well, we're trying something on this car to see if we can apply it to the rest of the field, uh, you know, down the road. When you're helping other guys, when you get hired as a crew chief uh, or, you know, you're, you're, you're tinkering on wing stuff, which I know a lot of that stuff doesn't go back to non-wings, but uh, even when, you know, you're not in the car and you're helping somebody else with their non-wing program, how much of what you do is what you have tried on your car and you know works versus, okay, we're going to try this on this customer's car and see if it's something we can apply to the Steve Irwin yeah, car. That, yeah, that's the thing, too, where I tell people where, 
you got basic things like ride heights and stuff like that. And I struggled earlier crew chiefing for people and then, and didn't do a very good job. Like I didn't have the cars very good early for some of my guys I worked for and because of the tire change. But even though wing and non-wing is a lot different, if you're doing the same tendencies, wing and non-wing because of the tires. So to answer your question, it's like helping these guys with a wing, especially the 360 stuff, because we run the, exactly the same right rear tire. Okay. I, I was doing the same changes non-wing. So like the stuff I learned, crew chief in the wing, I applied that to the non-wing side and, and it helped sometimes. So you grab a couple of wins here uh, recently. You get, you get to win this weekend at Silver Bullet. A couple races left. Confidence growing a little bit towards the end of the 2023 season? Yeah. Yeah. I, I haven't had much confidence behind the wheel this year because I didn't really know how the car was going to feel and we're throwing stuff at it. And I'm starting to get in a groove. And and what part of the problem is, is we haven't raced a lot of races this year. You know, like – to race against guys that come from Indiana up, like, you know, I haven't even hit 20 races this year and I'm racing against guys who have raced 30, 40, 50 times. So, you know, that's part of it as well. But, you know, you know, our budget and whatever, you know, we try to put a good, good race, race car on the racetrack, new tires, all that. And sometimes you can't race as much doing that and, you know, trying to put your best foot forward. Talk about that a little bit more because we talk a lot of guys that race 40, 50, 60 times, right, in a season. And and that's a huge difference from where you're running. Um, explain why that is such a big deal. Yeah, it's just it's just seat time. You know, and I'm, I'm a car owner. I'm the crew chief and I'm the driver on my deal. So I got to wear three hats. So it's like the driver and me just like the driver and me, like yesterday, I should have, you know, the driver and me wanted to go to Kokomo. But the, the car owner is like, <laughs> yeah. well, we just made some money. Let's not blow it all going to Kokomo. <laughs> you know what I mean? So you always have that fight within yourself of what you want to do and what you can afford to do. So it's, um, it, it's, it's a hard balance trying to own your own team and justify racing. And then the driver's side of you wants to just be in the car as much as possible, but you got to have money behind you, you know, and we got good sponsors and, but you know, our sponsorship this year wasn't as much as it's been in the past. So, you know, that was a little bit of a hindrance because it's, it, I mean, you got to buy the motors and the, and the cars and get everything ready in the off season, but it's the, you know, the week to week stuff. You know, if I had a sponsor that said, well, I'll give you a gas card and, you know, in, it don't cost me anything to drive to Kokomo or drive to Putnamville or Lawrenceburg or whatever, you know, I'd be like, well, I don't have to worry about that bill fuel bill in the, in the tow vehicle, you know, let's just go, you know? So that's kind of, you know, that's kind of where you're at. So, you know, you try to pick places where you think you can run good and make some money back so that you, you know, that you're trying to sustain the team, you know, financially. And I think too, and I, and I just, you know, when I think about Steve Irwin, I know there are a lot of people in the state and you have fans across the, the country and the region who I know believe this same thing. When I think Steve Irwin, I think that's the Fenton, Michigan guy who is good enough caliber-wise to make a USAC show, to go to Putnamville, to go to you know wherever uh, in Indiana and make the show with, with these really good non-wing guys. 
Um, and you talk about seat time and you talk about money. Steve, I think over the last five years, probably those are the two biggest reasons that we don't see you go and do those things is, is because of the resources. Is that fair? Yeah, that's that's 100% correct. I mean, and I'm getting older, you know, so, you know, the hourglass is running out for me, but, you know, I would I would like to do more traveling. You know, the USAC guys are like the world of outlaws. You yeah. know, it, it's hard to crack the top 10 with those guys. And I've, I've run 11th at like three USAC shows. Right. So I never cracked the top 10. Um, I've made the four crown, you know, I've gone to Wisconsin. I mean, if I had some travel money and, and could do some stuff, I, I, you know, and Barry's done a good job of building this non-wing deal up, you know, as a regional deal, but there's like, there's a good non-wing region in Texas. There's good ones in Missouri, the war deal, you know, all that. I mean, I, I wouldn't mind going doing the USAC thing, but that's, that's a big undertaking, but I, I would like to see where I stack up to the other regional series all over the, all over the country. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like guys that are running 20, 30 races, kind of doing the same thing I'm doing, but still you're driving 12, 13 hours just to, see where just to see where you're at absolutely you know what i mean and that and that's expensive let's talk about the hourglass thing and uh i'm not gonna i'm not gonna bring up what you think i'm gonna bring up i'm gonna bring up the fact that one of the drivers that you've had a hand in his career since he was knee-high to a grasshopper um put a big exclamation mark on what he's doing this season and of course i'm talking about uh your your nephew gets the gets the 410 win out of the way and then backs it up a week later and says that wasn't a fluke we can do this has put on good shows up in Wisconsin with IRA and uh, has been traveling a little bit um, how about that kid man and and you've had such a hand in his career how proud are you not only as family but also as somebody who has helped develop him as a driver yeah i mean couldn't be couldn't be more prouder of Darren you know, and, you know, he's trying to be a professional race car driver and, you know, and he's trying really hard and his mom and dad work really hard to put a good, good, uh, you know, deal. And then now he's hooked up with the lenders that can get him to the next level. And, you know, he's doing, he's just, you know, he's a really good race car driver, but he's even a, a better person. You know, his, his mom and dad's done a really good job. He's just a really good kid. And I, you, you'll never hear anybody has say a bad word about him, and that's going to take him, take him far. And, you know, um, I, I just, you know, in my vision and, and the way I look at it, Darren, from my eyes is, you know, I retire Darren's on the world of outlaws, me and me and his aunt get a motor home and we go around and watch him cause he's got an outlaw ride. You know what I mean? <laughs> like that, that would be, that would be, uh, That'd be the greatest thing for me. You're not even so in this I, vision. I, I, you're not even scuffing tires for the poor kid. You're just you're buying a pit pass yeah. and watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm drinking beer and 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 watching <laughs> yeah, them. That's a good vision. I like that. Dave, we had yeah. we had Darren on this summer, and you know you you don't really pay attention. You know we we had him on a couple of times before, and he was just so young, and and you could understand. Now he's like his voice has changed. He's a young man, and the seat time you can tell has been huge for him and he's just getting better and better. Oh yeah. I mean, and that's the thing, you know, he wants to be a world of outlaw driver and, you know, and, and no disrespect to any of the guys that run the three sixties and stuff. Like he's had some three sixty opportunities, but you know, running three sixties isn't going to get him to the world of outlaws. 
And, and so we asked him. There, you know, they're out there banging their head up against the wall, and sometimes you don't run good yeah. with the 410 guys, but that's what you got to do if, if you're going to you know, make it to the highest level. And we asked him about that too, Rich. Uh, we go back and find that interview with Darren. We, we asked him kind of what, what happened to you running with, uh, you know, the Hardings and the 360 deal, and he was very frank with us. Uh, you know, he said, well, it's all well and good, and I love running with those guys when we have the opportunity, but – I need seat time in the 410, and I need I need to be getting better in a 410 wing sprint car, and the 360 is well, just not going to do it. Yeah, yeah, and I told him like with my, my when I was in my 20s, you got to about to your about 30 to make it in the sprint car world. It seems you know it's not like NASCAR where you got to be like eight years old. <laughs> you know what I mean? And I'm being right. You know what I mean? Like the like the pavement deals just in my opinion is too young in the sprint car world with running dirt, you got to about 30 before people kind of write you off. And I told him, I said, you're doing the right thing. I had a, a good 360 ride when I was like 26, 27. And the guy wanted to run Fremont. And I told him I made a mistake, you know, like I should have kept doing the 410 stuff instead of going back and winning 360 races, you know? So, you know, I just tell him that just to be like, I think I messed up and I had a, maybe an opportunity to not run all-stars or roll of but run Attica Fremont full-time if I would have kept plugging away at it. But it's hard to plug away at it when, because it's so tough, you know, you might run fifth one night and then you miss the show the next night because the 410 deal is so tough and it, and it's, it's hard to take. And I said, I should have just stuck it out and, and done that. So I said, well, when you have a bad night, I'm like, you're still doing the right thing. You know, you're going down the right path if that's, you know, if you want to be, you know, a professional race car driver. Steve, you mentioned the comment, uh, the hourglass starting to run out. Zach said he wasn't going to go where I go there. I have no problem going there. <laughs> um, what what are you looking at? How, how much longer you want to do this? I mean, you got I'm assuming, you know, you're working real hard, you know, with a new chassis, uh, all the new stuff that you worked with this year. Is that kind of extending your time or? What are you really realistically looking at to stay in the seat of this race car? Well, when I was in my 20s, you know, I paid attention to guys. And it seems like, you know, you got to think about reaction time, your vision, all that type of stuff. And some guys can go till they're 60 and they're, and they're good. But there's a lot of guys that they get to 50 years old and, like, they win, 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 win. They get to 50 and it's just like your, your body just kind of fails you. You know, as long as I'm competitive, I'll keep racing. But I also have that in the back of my mind. Like, you can't control your vision. You can't control, you know, what what your body gives you when you get older. You know what I mean? Like, I don't I don't want to be out there running in the back of the pack, you know, and, and, and be that guy. And you is, know, so. is that something that when we talk about that, obviously, you know, we just – we bring it up because you never know. And, and then – you look at guys like uh, a Greg Wilson, a Greg Dahlman, uh, you know, uh, that that you just – is that living in the back of your head going, okay, when is it going to be the year where I'm not competing for wins anymore and I have to consider if I'm going to hang it up? Are you thinking right. about that or is it just something oh, yeah. where you stop – yeah. it, it does live in your head. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you. I mean, I'm 45, so – but I look at other guys, you know, like Lane Suisse is like – 57 and he's still competitive. Yeah. So I would, I would love to be Lance Luis and be competitive when I'm 57 years old. You know what I mean? But 
it's kind of one of them things where I think some guys think they still have it and they don't, and it's not their fault. It's just, it's just your body, you know, your genetics, you know what I mean? And I haven't got to that point. So, you know, you know, it's, um, it's just something in the back of your head and I just want to be, you know, cognizant of it. You know what I mean? And, you know, and that, you know, but I, you know, that's the thing is I, I enjoy helping other guys. You know, I, I talk to Darren every week and we, you know, he's got, you know, crew people and people behind him, and, you know, he doesn't need set up help or, or whatever. I just, you know, I enjoy talking to him cause he's a young guy. He's on the, the other end of the career than, than me, you know, and that, you know, I enjoy helping younger guys and other guys. And, you know, that's, you know, that's what I got in my back pocket. You know, if I do uh, hang up the helmet, you know, I'm still going to be involved in, uh, in sprint car racing, you know, in other ways. And Steve, that, you know, when I raced for 25 years and I, and I retired when I was 50 and it wasn't because I was winning races because I want to feature my very last year when I retired, but my competition was getting younger and younger and younger. And it, it wasn't that I, you were getting older. No, no, <laughs> right. no yeah. not in my mind. Yeah. It wasn't that it was my competition was getting younger and I mm-hmm. want, I wanted to make sure that they didn't say, remember when Rich used to win races, you know? Right. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. And yeah, I don't want to live that. And I think you did the right thing. Uh, That's kind of how I want to go. Like I would like to win a race the last year I race, you know, I don't want to go two, three years, you know, getting, getting lapped and, and doing all that kind of stuff. And and what a great point you make too, because I was talking to Rick Turner over the weekend and Rick just made his 253rd start with CRA at at Winchester. And I said, the same thing to him. He's in his 60s. And I said, how long are you going to do this? And he goes, as long as we still feel like we can win and we're having fun, we're going to show up at the racetrack. Mm-hmm. But if I'm getting lapped and I'm in the way, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna call it. And uh, he said, yeah. in my mind and in my heart, I still feel like I can win. Uh, we got good equipment and, and we run up front. So we're going to keep showing up. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that, that was cool. I, I, was, I was glad I seen on my Facebook feed there. Chase Berta won, and I've known Chase since he yeah. was since he was like zero years old. Yeah. Um, his dad, I, I we're from the same hometown, Lapeer, Michigan, and I worked with his dad when I was in my early twenties. So his dad actually used to sponsor my sprint car um, around two thousand three, two thousand four. So, so what I'm hearing is Chase is taking some tire money out of your pocket. Yeah, yeah, that sponsorship <laughs> was gone as soon as Chase started running quarter midgets. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I tell you what, Steve, I, I uh, you know, we're not looking for that anytime soon out of you. Three wins this year in what has been a uh, year of trial and error. So, uh, you know, you look at that and you go, okay, are we getting closer? We went from six to three. No, uh, you know, that's it's trial and error. That's learning a new tire. That's learning a new chassis. So. Um, man, congratulations. The, not to be lost in this, you're going to get another championship uh, with the Great Lakes Traditional Sprints. You've got that thing pretty much wrapped mm-hmm. up. So uh, congratulations on that and the win at Silver Bullet. Now, the one thing I said we were going to talk about before we ended this, you almost finally completed the one, winning at every track in Michigan, and it was, yeah. I, I think, inside of 10 laps from, from happening uh, from somebody who in the victory lane interview, Ricky Lewis said, you know, I consider Steve a friend. That's not what I wanted to have happen. 
just what what do you what from your perspective did happen there? Because I know what I think I saw. Ricky knows what he thinks he saw. I want to hear what you believe happened that night at Tri City. Well, I, I it's just one of those deals where you know it's Ricky's trying to make a DU sack, and he's a young guy, and he has a, a crap ton of talent, and. It's hard when he comes up and quote unquote cherry picks and then gets beat by a forty year old guy. <laughs> so you know, and Ricky in Ricky in Ricky's head, he had to try to pull something off there and he was too aggressive and just took me out. Okay. But you know, like he can't he can't go back to Indiana and say he ran second. You know what I mean? Yep. So that's one of them things that Ricky's gotta learn is that, you know, He's got to he's got to give guys respect, and I think that's where he's kind of lacking a little bit. He's just pushing, and he's just thinking about winning, you know. And that and and it's one of them deals. I mean, you see it in NASCAR, you see it in all other types of racing. You know what I mean? The young guy just pushing way, 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 way too hard. Let you me, know what I mean? Let me play so, a little devil's advocate here. If you are in second on that restart, what what do you do uh, different? Um, from Ricky I mean, Lewis. basically, it's a, just... it's a it's a one lane track. Like, I, I'm going to try to roll the middle and try to poke you on the outside and hope you miss the bottom. Okay, you know, down in three and four. You know, I'm not going to ram into somebody on the straightaway. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah. So, um, you know, and and it's one of those deals where I've gotten into guys, and you know, I didn't do it on purpose or whatever, but you know, you know, Ricky's known for wrecking a lot of stuff and wrecking a lot of people and you know he needs to if he's gonna make it you know he needs to you know because he's lost a lot of respect yeah you know did you guys did you guys talk about it at all did you guys talk he's got he's got a lot of he's got a lot of talent and he can make it to USAC but if if he don't have that respect from everybody then you know what I mean that's going to be hard for him to do did you guys talk about it at all afterward not really. I was pretty upset. Yeah, I so. figured that would be the case. I figured that would be the case. Rich, one last thing, and then we got to let him go. I was just going to tell Steve, you know, we, we love having him on the show. I just wish he'd be more open and honest with his opinions. You know what I'm saying? Well, man, congratulations. You mentioned your sponsors. Yep. Um, Pat yeah. and Roger, right? I mean, you, you've been with them for so long. Talk about them a oh, little yeah. bit. Yeah, I mean, they, they helped me out a ton. Um you know, without them, we wouldn't be able to do any traveling or, or do a lot of stuff. You know, like their their sponsorship really, you know, puts tires on the car, puts puts fuel in the truck and trailer and, and all that. And they've been with me since 2016. And, uh, you know, they're, they're a big vital part of it. And, you know, and everybody knows them and, you know, they walk around the pits and, you know, they're, they're, a, they're a big part of the, of the spring car scene in, in Michigan for sure well steve man again congratulations good stuff love having you on the show and uh, appreciate you making time to to join us now go have a, a couple drinks on that boat and, and enjoy your labor day all right thanks guys thanks for having me on and um you know it's always uh good talking to you guys well zach last week uh i got to spend the day at Owasso speedway for the 12th annual ron hauser memorial um for the reveal the hammer outlaw super late models and what a race it was it basically turned out to, if you were leading, that's not where you wanted to be till the end. Uh, we'll get into all that. And on the phone right now, we have the winner of the Ron Hauser Memorial uh, and your current point leader for the Reveal the Hammer Outlaw Super Late Models. Uh, makes his home in Portage, Michigan. Phil Bozell, welcome into Horsepower Happenings. 
Hey guys, thanks for having me. Man, take take me back last week. Um, you know, you really weren't making a whole lot of noise inside that top five, but when it mattered, uh, you guys were good enough to be there. Yeah, we were uh, a couple. A couple of these guys have pretty good speed in their cars. Um, not that we were slow, because we were obviously second quick, but uh, just the points fun and the way it's structured. You just got to make sure you keep all the funders on it, keep it on there. And so I was probably way too cautious at the beginning of the race, um, which probably took me too long to get there, but just the way things fell out and had some cautions and, uh, actually made our way to fourth and I was okay with fourth. I, I felt like I was a little better than third there when Dan Leak was in third, but, uh, I decided to myself, I was just going to ride there and not do nothing stupid in case we had a long yellow flag or something at the end. And just so happened the yellow flag happened to be the two leaders with needles and childers and it's unfortunate for those guys you don't want to see nothing happen uh it's a bummer because they were fast they were both running hard but uh, uh now you gotta take them anyway and get them and and i'll take it back a little earlier than that chad finley started out and was very very fast actually driving away from the field and and, and do you notice that i mean with these outlaws it seems like got the first thing i think when i see that is gosh i hope they can make it 100 laps yeah uh, if it, we would have agreed 100 laps chad would have been in the catbird seat that's for sure these outlaw cars are are even more aero dependent than they've ever have been, especially how fast we're going. We're all pinned down to the racetrack, so clean air is huge. As Chad got out front of Dixie too, and he was super fast. And if you get out in clean air in these things, you can let them rip for a while and uh, get back in traffic. You struggle a little bit. So unfortunate for them guys in the road routine, they had a motor issue. And it's nice to see Chad back behind the wheel racing with us. We love racing with him. So. Uh, Hopefully, they can get back together for the, the next one at Owasso. You know, and it's interesting. We just did this with Steve Irwin uh, before we called you, and we we say, you know, you didn't look great at the at the beginning. And you're like, yeah, well, I was second fast. But then, you know, for the race, I, I play it conservative. When you're going into a 100-lap race at Owasso, the new surface, which we've highly documented this year, when you're setting up your game plan, is there a number in mind? Like, okay, once we hit... You know, if we get four cautions in this thing, okay, then I'm going to turn up the wick. Or once we get to lap 50 or 75, then i got to make up some ground. How do you play that with, with the conservative strategy to just kind of let the cards fall to you? What are what are some of your mental notes that you're keeping while the race is unfolding? Well, it, it kind of goes with how the race falls out, too, when the cautions happen. Obviously, there we went for a while and not had a caution. So uh, I actually got a little worried we are too far back. Had a great battle with Justin Claudery. Took a few laps to get around him, but it's just it depends on when the cautions fall. Um, restarts are crucial at Wasso. The outside lane can be good sometimes. It's been pretty unpredictable as of late. And a lot has been weird lately. The track actually grips up and gets faster as the race goes on, which is unusual for our cars. With the slick tires, we usually fall off three, four, five, six cents sometimes. But we ran our fastest laps on the race anywhere from lap 80 to lap 100 all wow. three races so far so you actually got to it almost feels like a dirt track where the dirt guys search for speed search for speed search for speed you got to know when the track can go and you actually got to drive harder as the race goes on early in the race the track will be slippery it's just a matter of when it when it comes in and it's been i think i've done a very good job of knowing when it comes in uh, when i can push it uh, like i said restarts are really crucial you got to get a good one on restart so you go hard for a few laps fall back in line settle down for a little bit get back in rhythm and then just when you think you can go you gotta you gotta be cautiously apprehensive when you do that so luckily for us we've been uh good to go on when we needed to go the first two i felt like we had a winning car 
but with the payoff and everything, it's 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 hard to big picture race. But with what they're doing, it's hard not to big picture race. Yeah, well, and that's what I was going to ask too. Is you know, I'm asking you a loaded question here with your involvement in the industry and and as a race car driver. But when there is that kind of money on the line, are you expecting? some chaos uh, in these races and, and that's what leads to the conservative strategy. Um, with the way Lasso's paying, I mean, the top 10 pay phenomenal. All of them pay. Phenomenal. I mean, you can't even think about uh, doing something silly to lose some money, especially with a point fund at the end of the deal. So definitely has not been easy conservative. You got to tell yourself that and not has really changed my way of race this year quite a bit. And that goes for everywhere, really. You alluded to the chaos uh, in front of you, uh, Steve and Blake having that problem when, when Steve lost the belt. And then Dan Leak, um, you know, running out of fuel or losing fuel on that car. You still did. You still weren't guaranteed because you had Mark Shook right there keeping you honest. Oh, yeah. No, I, I knew uh, – Mark's been on a roll this year. Him and Barton Brooks have that 14 car flying and, uh, uh, we're good buddies. We, uh, Barton helps build our cars, our chassis. We do everything together. Same chassis, a lot of different setup though, between me, dad, and Bart, we hit on things, go back and forth, talk to each other. And I know they've been really good lately. They've been struggling at a while. So I know their motors, not quite what it needs to be over there, but I had no qualms starting next to Mark because I know he's one of the cleanest racers out there. And I just figured if I could get a restart, and get in front of him, I, I I wouldn't think nothing with Mark running behind me. I don't think he'd do nothing silly to uh, jeopardize either one of our positions. And after that race, you really, you're really you really not done with Mark. You guys are going to run to the end for this championship. Two races left. Uh, kind of handicap your chances. I mean, you, you're the leader, so Mark's got to come and get you. Yeah. Yeah, we, uh, like I said, I hate point racing. I'm leading the reveal, the hammer, and the lost <laughs> field. Just got to have a couple good finishes. And like I say, you just got to do what you did in the first place to get you there. You run races well, the points will take care of themselves. So, how, how um, does a guy who nobody hates ever po- goes? I, I was just going to ask, how does a guy who hates points racing end up the leader in two championship hunts? Like I said, you just do what you did to get there in the first place. It should take <laughs> care of itself. Yeah. So we 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 go to every race, don't doubt about it. But I also don't want to take a chance doing something stupid, running second or third uh, to jeopardize that. So. We got a lot of money in these cars lately. Uh, Tony Leclerc, he gives us anything we need, and I, I respect him so much. I wouldn't do nothing to jeopardize anything to do something stupid. And we work on him too much. It's just too, it's too hard to work on him to do something silly. And I respect everybody else's time and equipment also. And it's it, it's got us where we're at. You know, I thought that was pretty cool. I walked over and I talked to to you and and Andy for a little bit. And how much fun is it having Tony back at the racetrack? Really, I mean, I don't get to run into him that often, but when you three get together, that's got to be a great time. Oh yeah, it's a blast. We have we've had fun every time those guys show up. It's uh, just adds that extra element. It's, it's makes it ever special. You know, the race. I mean, that's pretty cool that he drives that far just to come watch us race race cars and see his cars go around the track. It's a uh, it's pretty neat. Well, I tell you what, Phil, um, these outlaw cars this season, the amount of money we're talking about it right now, excuse me, with Reveal the Hammer and Owasso Speedway, is there a new found, I don't know, investment or appreciation? I don't know what word to use. You know, there was concern when, okay, now the Glass City is not an outlaw race and, you know, we're having, we're running, you know, races that are five, six, seven cars strong. 
suddenly this season it feels like there's been a, a change in the wind, and we kind of started talking about it last year when the Reveal the Hammer series was was announced. We thought, okay, maybe this helps with the revitalizing. Then the racetrack started looking at each other's schedules and said we need to quit scheduling over top of each other. As a, as a person who works in the industry and, and has a race car, what are you feeling? What are you seeing? Tell me what, what, it, what it feels like from the inside right now. Yeah, it's nice. And the, the, the biggest thing to hit on is not scheduling on top of each other. Um, we can't have three tracks with seven cars on the same day. Right. So all the tracks did a phenomenal job this year of missing each other's races. And it showed all the races have been strong car counts. Yeah. Uh, and the outlaws, they're becoming more of a special in, in myself, our family, our team. I've talked to other people. So we, we don't want to race the same place every week. It, it's fun to move around and, and the incentives there for us to do that. Like you said, some big money on the line. A couple of years ago, we were thinking about selling our outlaws and building the modified in the street stock because of all the money. So now we're actually building two brand new outlaw cars again. And, and it's just, goes to prove if, if you got it and make it worthwhile, they'll, they'll show up. Well, I got, I got some numbers for you and we've been kind of tracking this all year long, right? So it's pretty cool. So we have a little bit to go off of horsepower happenings was doing an outlaw power rankings. And it just, it just recorded the outlaw late model drivers that had a top 10 finisher better right within the state of Michigan. And we are almost up to that competed this year, almost 60 outlaws. So that tells you there's some cars that, haven't had a top 10 finish in 2023 there's 70 or 80 cars out there but we're still not getting more than 20 or 25 to a racetrack yeah it's it's tough like i said people some people don't want to race every week some people are just picking ones they want some people won't go to these tracks we set our schedule at the beginning of the year and laid out and we try to hit all those um it, Again, parts and pieces are expensive. So some of these guys, if they if they tear something up, they go to this race. It might take them a month to get back out there again. It, it, that's just a product of our sport and our cars. It's just it's tough. But it is nice to know that there is that many cars. And, and, and I believe the car counts have been up most places this year for the outlaw cars. Um, money's been up. So we just got to keep that going, and hopefully we can continue that next year. One of the last things I want to talk to you is I want to talk to you as a car owner slash dad. Um, how's it been this season with uh, with the kids and, and watching them progress and take their lumps and, and kind of learn? Yeah, um, Bryce himself, he, he started off kind of slow, um, put together a newer car for him and uh, just couldn't quite get it to where he wanted to. And unfortunately, neither one of us can fit it because it's just got a little booster seat in it. Right. So we kind of put that car to the side. We're actually going to pull the seat out of it so one of us can test it. But we went into his old car, and the last three or four races, something clicked with him, and he's been really, really strong, qualifying well at Galesburg and Spartan, qualified good at Kalamazoo again Friday night. Um, Galesburg and Spartan, he runs really hard in the race, and um, learning, passing cars, rubbing fenders with people, it's all part of the learning game. <laughs> Pretty proud of him for all that. Kalamazoo, he's still struggling in race in race mode, and most people don't understand how hard Kalamazoo is to be competitive and run lap after lap. I mean, even the sportsman field car, late models, whatever they call them nowadays, that's a top notch field anywhere you go. And those guys are on the wheel every lap. So we just got to get them to some more race experience. And that's why we take them to the little short tracks that builds his confidence going to Kalamazoo and these other places. So he's done good. And then my nephew Mason, he's in the front wheel drive. He's had a phenomenal season. 
Um, finished second at Kalamazoo one night. Should have won two weeks ago. Saw some checkered flags there coming short in the race and was faster than a leader and had a little mishap, but he's already told us he won't do that again because he learned from that mistake. So that's another tough class there. They're starting 17, 18 cars, and the fast guy's starting to dead back, and they got to get there in 20 laps. So Oof. there ain't no cautiously in that. you got to go hard. So we're going to get him some more seat time in the sportsman car. Not sure what we're going to do with him next year. Um, get some more seat time with Bryce in the outlaw car here after the season. Go do some tests and try some things because while the weather's still good, you got to try some more things before next year. So. We definitely can't do it with snow on the ground. I saw Seltzer put up some money for Bryce uh, for qualifying at Kalamazoo. Did he get that money? Did they pay him off? He he did. He got that was pretty crazy. Uh, my, <laughs> that was just a joke. That was just a joke between me and my brother. I told him I'd give him a hundred bucks if he goes to fourteen twenty or in the twenties because he's only been in the sixties all year. And uh, he went out there and won a thirty the first lap of hot laps. I'm like, I think we're in trouble. We're tonight. in trouble. <laughs> Both the qualifier and I went a fourteen twenty two, but my brother posted it on social media and had so many people jumping. Uh, so uh, he's going to pay for the tire bill. I was just going to say trip. he's buying a set of tires. <laughs> <laughs> he wanted to buy a fishing pole, so I'll let him do that for the incentive. But he's going to buy tires with the rest of it. That's good stuff. That listen, that is good parenting and car ownership right there. Let me tell you, uh, you 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 earn some dough, put it back in the program, buddy. <laughs> oh, for sure. Both 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 those boys. Uh, some people might not be see the behind the scenes things, but both those boys are in the shop almost every night. Uh, Mason's got football practice some nights, so they're in the shop. They do they work on them. They put them together. There's no I say free ride there, but they're they're putting their they're putting their hours in. They need to learn too. So Phil, how you feeling, man? A couple couple nights left uh, for this reveal of the hammer deal. Is that uh, is that all? Is that the rest of your schedule for 2023? Yep, I think we're gonna do. Uh, do the uh, Dixie race or Bertrand. I always call it Dixie. I can't get that out of my head. We'll do that one and then go back to Owasso. And uh, I think we're actually going to take four cars to Owasso. I think we're going to hit the boys over there and let them race too for the Nationals. So Good deal. Yeah, last hurrah and go over there and have some fun with them. Yeah, and that's going to be huge too. We were just talking about that with, uh, with uh, Trevor. Uh, Trevor Berry bringing the Modified to that show because it's the Finley Memorial race as well. Um, could this be the biggest Owasso Nationals we've ever witnessed? Is <laughs> my question. Sounds like this place is going to be packed. Oh, uh, yeah, no doubt about it. No, I'm glad they got their extra parking done out back because they're going to need it for sure. <laughs> a lot of sportsmen guys, a lot of sportsmen guys from around the area, Kalamazoo. I talked to a guy at Plymouth last night. Uh, he might come up and want a race. So uh, it's going to be a good deal. They got a good thing going on there. I hope they can continue it. The place is awesome. They're doing a good job, and uh, this this will probably be the biggest Owasso Nationals yet. They got all this extra parking, and uh, this is so Owasso is going to become its own little community for the weekend. That's uh, going to be cool. It, it looks like it. That's for sure. Yeah. What do you got, Rich? Well, Phil, I'll, I'll be seeing you this weekend coming up because I'll be there for Champion Racing Association announcing for the Jags Tour. So um, I'll see you then. What uh, now? We'll give you a chance, like we always do, man, to give every, all your partners on that race team a shout out. Yeah, for sure. I got to thank Tony LeClaire. Like I said, he gives us anything we need. Uh, dude's a hardcore racer. It's been awesome driving for him. It's been pretty cool. Performance engineering, racing engines, uh, the awesome horsepower, uh, next generation lawn care, uh, AMS oil products by Dan Nymphs, Barrett Smokehouse, Lane Automotive, All-Star Performance, FK Rod Ends, uh, Outerwears, Filters, and then all the friends and family and crew. I mean, it's just, just my uncle, my kids my wife my mom we just it's a big group effort couldn't do it without anybody else so uh we got to thank all them for sure 
Phil, man, always a pleasure. Uh, appreciate you letting us uh, break up your Labor Day holiday a little bit. I know you're busy up there, so we'll let you get back to work, man. But uh, congratulations. Good luck on uh, on wrapping these two championships up that you don't really want. <laughs> <laughs> like I said, we're just going to do what we've done to get to that place, and that'll take care of itself. That's right. That's right, man. Well, we'd love to no, razz no you, No extra pressure. We're just going to do what we do. No pressure. No pressure, except for Mark Shook. That's nope. the only pressure. <laughs> That's all right. Phil, uh, love to rage, man. Good, good work, and uh, like like Rich said, he'll see you this weekend. And good luck. All right. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, there you go. Uh, I think we're square like the golf ball. Uh, four interviews, one show. If uh, you don't like it, that's too bad. Uh, take a number. Uh, but, uh, again, appreciate everybody's patience with us missing last week. And glad to get a chance to catch up with some guys. Trevor Berry, uh, appreciate that, of course, from uh, John Beach. Steve Irwin, Phil uh, Bozell for letting us push him back a week. Um, and uh, awesome stuff. Congratulations to all the winners. We didn't really go over any weekend winners uh, this time around. I saw Chad Finley went to Victory Lane. Good job to him. Uh, of course, Dustin Daggett, we talked about him going to Victory Lane. Um, congratulations, too, I want to say, to uh, my buddy, Justin Ward picked up the Great Lakes Lightning Sprints Championship over the weekend, so uh, congratulations to him. Uh, and, uh, Rich, what a lot of fun, and now you mentioned it in the interview, September is here, and it, it is time to just let loose and have some fun. We're racing on a Saturday this week at Hartford Speedway, uh, Saturday, September 9th for the uh, Great Lakes Super Sprints North finale. So that is going to be a lot of fun. And as you mentioned, you'll be on the road, up the road, to Bertrand Speedway for the uh, finale of the Triple Crown, also known as the big one at Bertrand Speedway. Yep, not not too bad. It'll be fun. Uh, Jake, the third race of the Triple Crown at the Bertrand Speedway. So uh, we'll see. that That's still up for grabs, technically. So... Uh, I, I believe Chase Berta, Ethan Stanuchek in that battle. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll see how, and you got to finish these races, right? They're, they're, they're not gimmies. So, you know, anybody can have a problem. Ethan Stanuchek has had problems there before. I think one of the races this year, he had problems with breaks. Um, so, but he's been running, he picked up a win this year. Chase Berta has got a win this year. Who's going to pick up the finale? I don't know, but that's a couple of good race cars I would keep my eye on. And you may get spoiled here. I just I just had this realization because of the DNF from Brandon Varney. Um, a perfect day, which Berta has had at Bertrand, might, I haven't done the math, might lock up the 2023 JEG CRE All-Stars Tour Championship. Updated points haven't been released from Winchester, uh, but there are only so many points available uh, at these events. And, and, of course, I've misplaced my sheet that says how many, but uh, we were we were trying to calculate whether or not he could wrap it up at Winchester this weekend. Um, so and, and he could have if Brandon Varney didn't show up and he had a perfect weekend. So it's on the table, Rich, uh, that, that Chase could wrap it up at Bertrand, I think. Well, that would be pretty cool for me to be there for that, to, to watch him wrap up his first Jags Tour championship. Well, obviously, we'll have the official championship interview at Winchester. Right. Um, but uh, doesn't mean we can't talk to Chase about it. Uh, he, he can pro- That probably will let – if he can do that and succeed, uh, it'll probably let him go to Winchester with a little less stress, would you say? Probably, and, and run for a win um, yeah. and, instead of just trying to finish the race. But I don't think that's going to be a problem at all. Um, okay, good stuff. You mentioned Flat Rock is done, and uh, we'll talk more about the Glass City next week as that will be uh, coming up. 
uh, once we're, we're wrapped up with this weekend. So, uh, again, thanks to the guests for making time for us today. Thank you so much uh, for, for your patience as fans, for letting us uh, kind of skip out on last week and make it up this week. Uh, we appreciate you and appreciate your support. And um, have a great and safe Labor Day. Uh, and uh, maybe if you didn't have Monday off, if you're taking another day off this week or going somewhere this weekend, uh, be safe, have fun. And it's the end of the season, Rich, so uh, you're running out of time to get your backside track side, so make sure that you make it happen here very, very soon. On behalf of Scott Menlin, who pays the bills, Rich France, my co-host, I'm Zach Heiser. Thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. The views and opinions expressed in tonight's show may not directly reflect that of Horsepower Happenings. The contents of this program may not be reproduced, retransmitted, or disseminated without the express written consent of Horsepower Happenings. Follow Horsepower Happenings on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, and iTunes to keep up on what's happening.